0: Apologies we received was from
1: the minister who's attending a special uh, cabinet meeting this morning. And the apologies from the member side was from Mr. Zondo. And um, then Mr. Tambo will be late because he just got on a flight at nine. So he'll be a bit late. That's all, Chair. Thanks.
2: Okay. Thank you very much, Shanaz. Um, colleagues, well, then after receiving the briefing, by um the dsi on the on his deal, um will then be moving towards the consideration of the draft report on our oversight inquiry into the appointment of prof mbati um recording in progress at, at smu so <clears throat> and related matters of course so those are the, that's the agenda for today um, and of course consideration of minutes. But let me perhaps also take a. a Chair, sorry to
1: interrupt, Chair. Um I think they're broadcasting live today. So don't you want to switch on your wipe, wipe, uh, um, your, my, uh, your video if possible? I'm not sure about the network, but if we could do that because they're broadcasting today. So every speaker.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, we are loadshed at the moment. But honorable members are, again, we are encouraged. I think we are broadcasted every day. Or are we saying we are broadcasted on the Channel Four or eight is that what's the difference today because every day we are
1: broadcasted yes, I understand it to be a live one today Jay. okay um,
2: thanks annas i think every I think when we are on YouTube we are live on YouTube or live on Facebook or live on twitter but um that that. Uh, from colleagues is Julie noted. I, on
0: my side, colleagues, unfortunately, we are loaded at the moment. So maybe after
2: two hours, I'll be able to switch on my camera. Um, that is the program for two seconds. Then hand over to. Me.
3: Uh, on his deal. Good, good morning chair and good morning members i couldn't hear the last part um, not to if others are having uh, difficulties in in uh, connectivity uh, can people hear me yes you're audible hi thanks I see that the Deputy Minister and the DGA are on the call. I suspect the DGA has to leave earlier, but I'm not too sure if the Deputy Minister wants to make any comments uh, before we ask uh, 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 Prof. Van Rendsburg to, to do the
0: presentation on Hester. Deputy Minister, I, I thought I saw you on the call.
3: No, it doesn't look like it. DG, do you want to make any comments? Uh,
4: Thanks, Imran. And uh, no, I don't think I want to add anything from what you've said. I'm battling with my machine. I can't get the sound from... uh, from Oh, sorry. I didn't realize that...
2: I apologize profusely, DG. I was not aware that you are on the platform the program had only showed um, DDG Patel. Hence, I thought that you are not on the platform. Sincerest apologies for that.
4: No, no problem at all. Uh, I was, uh, I'm having a problem. My system, I can't hear what is being said on the other side. Uh, but uh, I am hopefully connected with Ntabi's phone. I'll see if I can sort that out. But nothing to add except to allow uh, the chair Uh, to share um, uh, the findings of the report. Thank you.
3: Okay. So, um, just, uh, I think uh, you've you've introduced the item, uh, Chair, that this was a study that we had requested, initially looking at the science and technology system. But once we fell under one ministry, it was broadened out to look at the broader higher education, science and technology landscape and i think i'll hand over at this point in time uh to the chair of the committee to do the presentation prof so intabi are you going to um um navigate through the presentation that's correct dtg yeah we we can see it so it's fine we, you can go ahead uh, prof uh th-
5: thank you very much uh Honourable Chairperson um, and members of the Parliamentary Portfolio Committee on Higher Education, Science and Innovation. Uh, My name is Aaron Rensberg, and today I'm joined by three members of the Review Committee, namely Marjorie Pius, Mpo Madisha, uh, and Sibusisa Manzini, who subsequently joined the Department of Science Innovation as Chief Director. Um, Of course we, uh, Honorable Chair making this presentation on behalf of the department, um, uh, who is the owner uh, ultimately of this work. Um, You will notice Honorable Chair and members of the committee, uh, the title of the um, report, it's called A New Pathway 2030, Catalyzing South Africa's National System of Innovation for scaled social and economic impact, um, and that's really the the intention that the committee wishes to relay. Um, with your permission, Chair, I know that the report is some seven pages of acronyms, and uh, I hope it's acceptable that we could use uh, six of those um, for for ease of reference. Um, and I will just denote these um, N S I. Uh, as in National System of Innovation, will be used. RDI, as in Research Development and Innovation. STI, as in Science, Technology, and Innovation, so a bit of interplay. Uh, HESTL is really the review itself of the Higher Education Science, Technology, Innovation, and Institutional Landscape. And then occasionally we might refer to NACI, the National Advisory Council on Innovation, and then NDP, of course, the National Development Plan 2030. Um, So, Honorable Chair and members of the committee, it was a, a special privilege and honor for us to respond in December 2019 to the call of the Minister of Higher Education Science and Innovation, Dr. Zimande, to undertake this review of South Africa's Higher Education Science and Innovation Landscape. Our review followed on the heels of the 2017 review of the science, technology and innovation landscape. This time, though, in the context of the consolidation of the ministries of higher education and science, technology, now science and innovation, our brief was formally extended to incorporate the review of the full spectrum of research entities and universities that fall within the purview of this ministry. Even then, Our review is, in our opinion, far more comprehensive and extends to all the country's public research entities and institutions that fall within the purview of other ministries. The devastating COVID-19 global pandemic and the associated lockdown of the country came just as our work was gathering pace. However, after we had found our digital feet able to progress our work at an unimaginable depth and pace for which we're most grateful, And while we lost out on INSUTU International Benchmarking, this was made up through a World Bank host webinar and an extensive and detailed set of virtual engagements with South Africa's research entities, institutions, and universities. In the event, we consulted with the three leading government departments that sit astride the country's research, innovation, tech transfer, and industrialization value chain that is the Department of Higher Education and Training, of Science and Innovation, and of Trade Industry and Competition. We're also privileged to test and consult our initial findings and views with 20 research entities and institutions, University of South Africa, uh, eight development finance institutions, 37 representatives from various business and industry associations and entities, and 23 representatives from various civil society organizations. And from these, we gleaned immense insights and wisdom, uh, all of which have enriched our findings and recommendations. Now, Chair, it is self-evident that our country's adaptive, self-organizing, and dispersed, quote-unquote, republic of science, has until now successfully evaded effective coordination. This, in our view, has had significant consequences for the evolution of our national system of innovation, or NSI, most notably for achieving sustained depth in our areas of current and emergent excellence and for achieving far greater social and economic heels as required by the National Development Plan. Strikingly, as we show in our report, our research outputs are plateauing at a level that has already placed us behind China, South Korea, Malaysia, Singapore, and which will soon see Egypt surpassing us. Equally significantly, our patent outputs are already in decline, but from a low peak. These developments, we of the opinion, are in part the consequence of the absence of effective system steering and of sustained underinvestment in our research, development and innovation. Enterprise which in our view will require focused remediation over the next decade. And so our overarching recommendation as we take you chair, honorable chair and members through the report is that the RDI enterprise with the research development and innovation enterprise should be expanded in a planned and a coherent manner. This will over the next decade require doubling of investments from the state, business and industry. It will also require the focused, coherent, and progressive pivoting of existing incentives, these being input and output grants, transfers and taxation to support the achievement of capacity depth and far greater social and economic outputs. In order for the latter to be successfully achieved, a common language should also be nurtured and socialized across the national system of innovation. We're particularly optimistic about our country's prospects, more so in light of its COVID-19 global pandemic response demonstrates that the borders separating deeply siloed government departments, business and industry and the country's leading science organizations and scientists can be crossed in service of providing a comprehensive response and a program of action. We were able to undertake our and complete our work, Honorable Chair Members, because of the exceptional support provided by Dr. Philip Joacha, our DG of DSI, and his amazing team of colleagues. And in this regard, we're especially indebted to Ms. Ntabi Singh Somi for a complete dedication to our work and her outstanding support. We're also grateful to Ms. Dandekar Mfanga, our researcher, who undertook on our behalf extensive research as key peer and industrialized nations, national systems of innovation, and provided valuable input into our findings and recommendations. Our diverse and experienced team brought commendable experience and insights from across the higher education, science, and innovation system, including civil society, and invested so much of their time, energy, passion, and empathy, wisdom, and patience in developing this report. Um, and we have the list of colleagues, Professor, professor Anastasios Puras, Professor Ari Sitas, Professor Brian Figaji, Mr. Lumkira Mondi, Ms. Marjorie Pius, Mr. Mpoh Madisha, Professor Puleng Lenkabula, Professor Tenji Mehiwa, and Dr. Sidusiso Manzini. Our presentation outline um, is provided in the next slide, and with your permission, Chair, I will tackle the first three parts thereof um, the review um, its location the terms of reference the approach and method after which Madisha um, will take us through the key findings and issues uh, Marjorie Pyers, who takes the you commit you chair the committee through the levers of change pivoting the system before I round off with the recommendations and uh, and Exemplary on example um, implementation plan. So turning to anchoring the review. Our review was informed and shaped by the number of important plans and policy documents, notably the National Development Plan, the 2007 OECD review of the South African Science, Technology and Innovation Landscape, the 2012 report of the Ministerial Review Committee on. Science, Technology and Innovation Landscape, the 2013 White Paper on Post-School Education and Training, the 2017 Report of the Ministerial Review Committee on Science, Technology and Innovation Landscape, the 2016 National Plan for Post-School Education, the 2019 White Paper on Science, Technology and Innovation, and the 2020 National Advisory Council on Innovations Review of the National Research and Development Strategy and 10-Year Innovation Plan. I just wanna note that these various reviews addressed and made recommendations on a number of significant matters, including the financing of the system and its expansion, effective advisory support and the role of NACI or the National Advisory Council on Innovation, system governance and regulatory environment, on mandates and the knowledge infrastructure, on policy coordination and strategic management, on human capacity development and transformation, and on monitoring and evaluating the system. Turning next to the terms of reference, this review was commendably commendably commissioned right at the outset of the then new Minister of Higher Education Science and uh, Ministry of Higher Education Science and Technology, it followed directly upon the combination of the two departments into one ministry. Drawing from the terms of reference outlined in the full panel report, the purpose of the review was to investigate the extent to which the high education science, technology, and innovation institutional landscape is able to optimally assist in achieving the NDB priorities and to respond to the country's socioeconomic needs. The remit of the panel or the committee included identifying any gaps in the existing institutional landscape. Furthermore, the minister commissioned the panel to propose a model for higher education science, technology, and innovation institutions that could enhance the promotion of coherent, integrated, and optimized mandates. In each case, these should be designed within common policy frameworks that can be applied across all the significant components of the national system innovation. Taking into consideration the 2019 white paper on science, technology, innovation, as well as the white paper on post-school education and the training and other relevant policies, the review therefore includes the development of a description and a graphic depiction of the current higher education science, technology, and innovation landscape. An analysis of the capacity of existing institutions to support post-school education and training and to undertake strategic research to produce knowledge spanning the social and natural sciences and humanities. An analysis of the higher education science, technology and innovation institutions to establish programmatic focus, intensity of activity, concentration or dispersion of activity, an impact on the realization of policy outcomes, and then an analysis of the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities and threats across the national system of innovation. Ultimately, in the terms outlined here, the review panel was required to advise the minister on the relevance of the current institutional landscape to current context and anticipated future needs, areas of research whose activity and output do not match the scope and level of the other dedicated institutions and the contribution and overall effectiveness of existing institutions in bridging the transition from basic to applied research and commercialization. Turning next to our approach and methodology, the extent and complexity of the mandate given to the panel called for a range of methodological approaches that enabled the panel to address the key components of the study in broad terms, Chair and members. These uh, approaches included a situational analysis in which we applied a correlative and evolutionary approach, the SWOT analysis, to establish the foundations, the pillars and the differentiated advantages of our national system of innovation, as well as opportunities to intensify and accelerate it, taking into account the demand For its enhanced and accelerated social and economic impact. We next undertook a capacity analysis in which we undertook an in-depth examination of the institutional landscape to establish the scope, the scale and the depth of the national system of innovation across various mandates and disciplines and its absorptive capacity for urgent and focused expansion. We also undertook institutional landscape mapping during which we employed heat maps, and other graphics, as well as other analytical tools to track and identify interconnectivity through resource flows within the NSI and areas that require urgent remediation. We also undertook case studies where we undertook critical analyses of a range of historical national system of innovation initiatives to excavate and to elevate project program successes and failures in order to bring the lessons from these to bear on the review and to provide for system learning. We undertook in-depth stakeholder engagements through which we source critical insights into high-performing, high-performance uh, national system of innovation actors and identified for focus attention outliers and institutions or actors requiring realignment and renewal. We undertook international benchmarking studies where we benchmarked our NSI or National System of Innovation against leading industrial economies, namely South Korea, Japan, Singapore, and the OEC countries, as well as with comparable industrializing countries of context in the developing world, namely Brazil, China, and India. And finally, we undertook an extensive consultative process with critical state, business, and industry and civil society actors. Um, These engagements provided platforms to source critical and live insights into the as-is national system of innovation, to learn about actors' visions for the desired future national system of innovation, and to test our initial findings and provisional recommendations. The above outline only maps out the broad approaches and their intended outputs. Within each of these methodological approaches, the review process involves a blend of data collection and analysis approaches which were implemented to elicit, to deconstruct and to synthesize the breadth, the depth and the quality of data that reflect the complexity of the higher education science, technology, innovation and institutional landscape as a major component of the national system of innovation. Allow me now, Chairperson, uh, with your permission, to request uh, my colleague in Port, Madisha, to take the committee through our key findings and issues, and he would then hand over to uh, Marjorie Pius to take the committee through our perspectives on the levers of change and how we can pivot the national system of innovation to a higher growth trajectory and performance level. I thank you. Um,
6: thank you, thank you, Chair, and thank you to the honourable members present. Um, and all to the colleagues uh, from DSI. Um, So I think I will perhaps just start off by uh, indicating the fact that in our report, we really had a lot of uh, findings that we had um, uh, come up with. And what I'm going to do is just run through the key findings um, that are uh, basically indicative of what we feel very strongly about um, what represents the landscape of uh, the National System of Innovation. So, uh to start off, I think the w- the very first point is to um mention that a lot of uh systems that we have uh in the national system of innovation also embodied by our constitution, the national development plan, they 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 have a strong emphasis on a value system that is uh looking at bailey or a focus on a people-centric uh development. And one thing that we see is that while um, there's quite a number of good things that the system does. Uh, it fails strongly to uh, leverage the country's sound value system uh, that is focused on a people-centric approach. And there is something obviously that you know, we think um, has to uh, get some attention. But also another issue that uh, perhaps was a major one was an issue of coherence amongst the institutions that form uh, part of the national system of innovation. And they tend to be lacking a comprehensive system level agenda and some sort of a priority setting uh, to fully realize their social and economic benefits from the uh, science, technology and innovation uh, that is happening in the system. And these are perhaps shown by some chronically siloed uh, institutions that are poorly interconnected. And this gives rise to the incoherence and some sub-o- suboptimal pro- uh, uh, programs within uh, the departments and within the institutions involved. So you tend to see that instead of cooperation, there's this unhealthy competition and strife. Um, some are sort of like people creating fiefdoms of sorts. And that in itself, it's um, uh, having these institutions chasing after scarce resources and not cooperating as they should. So when you then look at um, how we do the um, the reporting on uh, the, the national uh, uh, indicators we have uh, the National Advisory Council of Innovation which we find that it, it has a role to play there but it is significantly optimal as well in terms of its membership and its capacity uh, as well as the authority and influence to give effect to some of the findings that it tends to have or some of the key indicators that have to shape the national system of innovation and um, it is falling under the Department of Science and Innovation. Uh, there is a sense that perhaps the adversary role uh, is a bit limiting only in under the DSI, but there must be uh, some, some um, program to, to ensure that it's able to have a major influence, a much larger influence. Um, again, looking at coherence, uh, we do find that when it comes to reporting across the science entities, there's a lack of coherence. Um, the linkage between the individual institutional mandates and their annual performance plans, um, on the one hand, uh, look okay, but their institutional roles and mandates within the NSI and other uh, other institutions, they tend to be weak or non-existent. So universities, SOEs, there's a strong sense that they need to be more coherent in order to get value out of our national system of innovation. Then um, on opportunities for uh, developing prog- pro- uh, programmatic synergetics, uh So basically when you look at the programs that we do come up with, uh, some of these synergies are squandered. Um, and as I said, I think this links to the previous point uh, about the uh, institutions that are chasing scarce resources. And as a result, it creates as an incentive for people to hoard and not so much uh, to focus on collaboration. And that obviously uh, it doesn't work so well for the national system of innovation. I have two extra slides just to talk about some of the other key findings, so uh, in the next set of findings the uh, the key forces that we find that are at play in the South African political economy uh, have a, a negative Im- impact uh, on, on on the um, higher education science and technology institutional landscape, and this is you know manifest through behaviours such as rent seeking, um, an excessive profit motive, especially in the private sector, um, and some adverse inter-organisational network behaviours that are undesirable with some uh, negative financial outflows. An example of this being that some of the um, uh, research and development that ordinarily you'd expect would have to happen within institutions in South Africa would be done uh, by institutions that are outside of South Africa. This being directed by especially the private sector that's uh, obviously playing a role in the NSI in South Africa. The, the whole NSI conceptual framework, um, it, it does very well when it comes to organizing policy making, uh, doing things like monitoring and evaluation. But we do find that when it comes to the impact uh, on the ordinary people, on the marginalized sectors of the population, it tends to reflect very poorly there. Uh, and this is obviously uh, reflective of the fact that we still continue to have extremely high level of inequality and uh, issues of inclusivity still continue to be an issue that we, we dabble with. And I think looking at all of this, the, uh, there's, there's the importance of perhaps linking with some of the work that has been done on, say, the 2019 white paper uh, that has to be reconceptualized to emphasize the issue of inclusivity, the issue of uh, research and development having an impact uh, on ordinary people on the streets. And the next point is to maybe mention uh, something about state-owned enterprises. This, if we look at the role that they've been playing, I think right now they have forfeited that role as key actors of the national system of innovation, um, particularly when it comes to uh, resource uh, research and development which has declined uh, across all key measures. I mean at some point um, uh, we used to have other uh, entities such as PBMR which was contributing heavily with um, research and development and over time some of them dwindling down some institutions actually generally just not uh, perhaps uh, come increasing their research and development. That has led to The overall decline in research and development. And I think state owned enterprises are pretty much key. And it must be noted that the extensive uh, geographical function and footprint of all the SOEs uh, in the economy is very necessary for extending the participation of the marginalized actors and communities uh, across South Africa. And this is um, impact. This has to uh, have a say on um, how we can improve on gra- grassroots science and innovation. And I think most of our SOEs have quite a big role that they've been playing over time. And their decline is actually quite uh, negative for the national system of innovation. Um, the on two bullet points that I just wanna attack uh, on this one and then I'll move to the next slide. Um, I mentioned the fact that the role of business is sort of like declining and that is, that is indeed a, a, a concerning issue. Um, because their participation in terms of investment in just, uh, domestic research, technology transfer and industrialization has gone down. Um, as I said, they tend to offshore uh, some of the science work that has to be done or some of the research and development that has to be done when it comes to entities that could have been given to, um, or tasks that could have been given to universities locally um, and some of our research institutions. Um we in our engagements, we we had a chance to speak to some of um, organisations that are at the heart of this, such as the DTIC, and they recognise that um, there's uh, there's um, there's this problem of uh, people this you know giving research to outside uh, institutions, and they do try and come with limited uh, incentives to try and uh, encourage more local research and development taking place in South African universities, but that is small, and there's room to actually do more. Um, the deindustrialization is is actually a, a very growing trend, and it's a reality. And the impact thereof is that some of the set objectives that we had for the national development plan um, may may not be achieved. So some of the the goals that we have, we are realizing that actually they may not be achieved. Um, Chair, leading to my last slide um, with the three points that I just want to mention. So. <laughs> The the institutional weaknesses that we see in several entities, um, it, it in some of them it makes them uh, to be to have little impact, and we see that some of the institutions are poorly funded, and perhaps some are uh, misplaced in terms of their location. And one key example, perhaps, is the Technology Innovation Agency TIA, which at the time when we were looking at it, we felt that it was uh, short on leadership stature and financial capacity, as well as uh, it has largely failed to pursue the achievements that the ambitious goals of facilitating commercialization of hundreds of new ventures uh, that we have in the country needed. So when it comes and I think that's a very key issue that, you know, the innovation that we develop has to be commercialized and some of these entities have to be strengthened to be able to achieve that. The considerable investment and research into the environmental sciences is commendable, uh, actually sitting at about 7% of gross expenditure on uh, research and development. However, uh, if you look at it, um, that when it comes to environment, marine and earth science, we actually do not have councils um, that can perhaps give even more meaning to the research that goes into the space. Um, So this needs to be remediated uh by making sure that we bring the global significance of Sarafkas biodiversity when it comes to environmental conservation programs that we uh strengthen that element and that that would mean that we have to then uh begin maybe creating uh institu- institutionalizing um, this space on environment marine and earth sciences um on my last point chair um i just perhaps I uh, want to just finalize with the science councils um, that we have uh, created initially. They, the the point was that they they will be founded under government departments and um, they will serve their respective priorities and stakeholders therein. But um, in some of the departments, the relationship between the councils and the departments um, is uh, perhaps weak and can be strengthened um, without perhaps mentioning too many examples, but um, uh, looking at how, for instance, the Department of Health and the Medical Research Council operate, we, we think that such strength, even though the Department of Health is focally uh, looking at uh, service delivery in, in the health space, there's room to utilize its council um, to uh, a maximal uh, output uh, as far as possible. So, Chair, I'll I'll stop there and maybe give over to uh, Majare to take us on uh, the Levers of Change.
1: Uh, Thank thank you, Mpo. Greetings to you, Chairperson and members of the Portfolio Committee, the the Director General, and officials of the Department. You have heard the depth of the review work and the seriousness of the findings. I will now take you through a summary of the review team's deliberations on what we believe are the mechanisms for bringing about change. During the process of extracting and synthesizing the findings from the review studies and analyses, we reached an appreciation that the underlying systemic problems require a purposefully constructed toolkit of actions. These problems are so serious that the nature of the response has to be one that tackles the challenge head on in a manner that is understood by all of South Africa as a decisive and determined national drive towards effecting the kind of change that is envisioned in the national development plan and the policy papers. We strove to emphasize this dynamic of the urgent need for collective and directed action. And we caution against the thinking that the problem is solely a resourcing issue. There appears to be a very real danger of losing the hard-won policy and institutional gains that have been made over the past 20 years. There certainly has been good work and concrete gains by the department. With due regard to recognizing the good work where it does manifest, the review report is expansive on the evidence of progress that has been made over the past 20 years in putting in place enabling legislation, new funding, and mechanisms to address priority sectors. These certainly remain vital and must continue, but the report also unearths, with its situational analysis, unsettling evidence that rampant corruption and unethical behaviours have hollowed out research and innovation capacity across institutions. Hence, specifically, the observation that the state-owned enterprises have abdicated their developmental mandate. Higher education institutions, too, have faced severe criticisms that have, on occasion, called into question the integrity and institutional adherence to ethics in their academic and research programs. This, in turn, impacts, for example, the value attached to the qualifications of South African university graduates and the reputations of our higher education sector. In keeping with the general philosophy of the NDP, the mindset of all actors has to change and the responses have to stem from a collective appreciation of what is needed for the upliftment and prosperity of the whole of society. The review team therefore captured the essence of what responses are needed as levers of change with a special distinction in depicting them also as having further leveraging effects on each other. I I call on you to please see slide 14 and then later 15. There are five levers of change that we propose. and, And these are defined not in any special order nor in terms of contrasting orders of magnitude as governance, values, resources, capabilities, and coherence. We have described these policy tools as levers of change, recognizing that the system fundamentals are in place. The system is not broken, but needs to dramatically recalibrate and expand. The levers of change are tools that must be used in a constructive approach so that they can shift and support the national effort to take the economy and human condition to the desired outcomes. We invite you to imagine that if each of these five cogs are tooled to turn within the system, geared to work in a leveraging manner to harness capabilities and entrepreneurial energies across the higher education science and innovation landscape, there would be far greater meaningful socioeconomic impact. Let me start with values, where we find a particular resonance in the definition of values as socially shared conceptions of the desirable, our moral compass for ourselves, our leaders, institutions, and communities. This must go beyond ethics as well, uh, and ought to include the considered position of history institutions on broader matters such as inclusivity, innovation, entrepreneurship, transparency, and accountability, to name but a few of those behaviors that are recognized to impact on the performance and reputational stature of institutions and the nation. The review places focus on the direct linkages between the values and impediments to achieving national development goals. Socially credible and shared values, provide a bedrock of principles to guide management practice, particularly during uncertain times. There has been much learning during the past two and a half years in terms of external forces that have the power to bring global economies and business to its knees. And at a local level, we consider that scant attention was being paid to the significance of the influences of the political economy on management decisions and ethics, at our institutions of learning and knowledge generation. We are aware that most institutions declare these values, particularly that of the National Call for Batupele, Ubuntu, in all their policy documents. But that is where they stay on paper. This is just paying lip service to a fundamental lever of change. The boards having governance oversight on research institutions ought to be held accountable against the requirement to report on assessments of adherence to these values. Any risk management should include constant monitoring against the ethos of commitment to doing the right thing, as well as delivering on their mandates. Governance is the next one. This review was about the institutions across the full fabric of the higher education, science and innovation landscape. Whilst the private sector exercises autonomy, government does have some degree of influence where state incentives have been made available and therefore far greater use needs to be made of the full spectrum of influence of government in leveraging for national objectives. The situational analysis of this review surfaced a stark and deeply challenging picture of the extent to which government, uh, the extent to which, uh, sorry about this, to which governance and strategic management, particularly that of state-owned enterprises and some of the higher education institutions have been eroded, good leadership undermined, and institutions stripped of assets and capacity. Governance, as we saw, includes all aspects that concern political oversight, strategic management, and advisory support for the NSI. Members of the portfolio committee will hear more in our recommendations on how we see this lever of change playing a stronger and more positive role. On resources, this lever, in terms of the carrot and stick inducement for transformation, must continue to be used strategically. This includes recommended actions for the optimization of financial and other resources available to the NSI. In this regard, we consider incentives to business, as, as well as the grants to the public institution as the tools that ought to be used. A key observation that has been mentioned is that the system is suboptimal and needs to be expanded considerably if the NSI is to provide effective and adequate capabilities across those sectors of the economy that have been flagged as national priorities. The review recognizes that there is already commitment to scaling up the combined state and business R&D investments to 1.5% of gross domestic product. It's to be noted that BIRD business expenditure was greater than government expenditure not not so long ago. But the decline that we see in business expenditure is, is considered at a far too risky level. Much of this decline, we also ascribe to the hollowing out of R&D at the state-owned enterprises. We gave special attention to considering what capabilities would stand out as priorities if the investments were increased. It is important we ask to note the review finding that the current set of science disciplines and technology priorities must continue to receive resource support and that the identification of high-level targeted programs with the objective of gearing the system for impact provides an important departure from the outputs focus of institutions. Professor Rensberg will talk more on this issue in the recommendations. On capabilities, yeah, we refer refer to all the necessary capabilities that the institutional landscape requires to effectively manage the process of converting knowledge and know-how into commercially viable products and services. This review critically assessed whether we are on track towards the NDP targets for capabilities in key areas by 2030, without which we will not be able to address the most serious national challenges of healthcare, affordable and sustainable energy supply, employment creation in a dynamic technology environment, and development of radically new skill sets in emerging growth areas, to name but a few. This lever must be noted has to operate in very close conjunction with the lever on resources. We have identified gaps in capabilities that need to be filled, as well as some institutional and system reorganization that will leverage scale-critical levels of capabilities that are critical to achieving the 2030 aspirations and targets. On coherence, we were pleased to note that many instruments – such as the research chairs and centers of excellence, demonstrate aspects that relate to forging and maintaining fruitful interactions and partnerships between various actors in the HESTL to address program fragmentation. This is, however, still an ongoing challenge. Serious, structurally stubborn problems persist that includes collaborations and cooperation across government structures, as well as amongst all research performing entities, both private and public sector, as well as universities and civil bodies. A significant finding is the absence across the Hester landscape of a high level directed drive, pulling all the capabilities together towards a common purpose. We did get a glimpse of what this could be during the COVID pandemic, and believe that the same coherent collective drive can be mobilized across the NSI, For a number of the most pressing problems that face South African society. Whilst these five levers of change that we identify are aimed very much at recalibrating the system, there is more that is needed. It is at this juncture that the review team proposes that the NSI, the system itself, needs to be pivoted upwards and outwards onto a higher growth trajectory, using the five levers of change in conjunction with the mobilization of the full spectrum of NSI actors around a set of societal grand challenges. The argument is that the levers of change call for fixing what is not working well. The system, however, needs a major jolt to its targeted vision to shift it to higher ground and towards more impactful results. As a team, we grew great. We drew great inspiration from the manner in which the science and technology community in this country mobilized around the COVID-19 challenge at a national scale and also at the global stage. We believe it's critical to drive this kind of national mobilization. We find that on the one hand, we need to continue to grow the entire system, but at the same time, we do need to harness certain priority capabilities that can dramatically uplift and improve the quality of life of all South Africans and increase sustainable economic growth and climate security. We have described this requirement for mobilization and, and upliftment as follows. And here I refer the portfolio committee to slide 17 and 18. In this review study, we look back in time. If we can move to the next slide. We look back in time to understand what was supposed to change with the advent of democracy and what has been achieved since then. If you follow the timeline from 1990, you'll see that there's been growth since then, rising significantly at the section from A to B measured in 2005 and still rising sharply to C in 2020, where we appear to have reached a plateau. The bubble during that period is a figurative representation of growth of the system since the start of democracy and argues that the next 35 year bubble could potentially be smaller if the system becomes ineffective and irrelevant to the needs of the economy and society. This pink bubble recognizes that there has been growth in new institutions and infrastructure. The question is whether it is significant enough to have made the desired impact. No, these have been suboptimal, and our deliberations reckon that at the current pace and scale, very clearly, it will not take South Africa to the 2030 destination. The report recognizes strong research activity and research output in many of the key priority sectors and science and technology domains that offer huge potential, but still dogging the efforts of the state and research community, the persistent failure to convert research results into economic and social outcomes sharply signals the urgent need for a major response to summon all hands on deck. Assessing the current situation and prospects, if we do not alter the current trajectory, we argue that the path slips down in, in the blue bubble. It slips down a sharp precipice, as you will see at point D on the diagram. The situation demands a recalibration, refocusing and scale up. If the pink bubble is the current system and South Africa needs a Hestel to grow in a strategic composition to the scale of the blue bubble, then the way to do it is in terms of working those five levers together with the societal grand challenges and pivoting the system upwards for expansion and growth at e by 2050. We do recognize that such growth requires time, but it is imperative that it starts now in order to at least achieve impact on the 2030 goals of the, the NDP. Um, I'm now going to hand over to Professor Rinsberg we'll probably recap in terms of this pivoting and how with the recommendations, we can achieve that change.
5: Thank you very much, Marjorie, And thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, um, Just a little footnote. Um, We having load shedding where I am in another six minutes' time and it will probably take two minutes for me to get back on the system. And I apologize for that chair and members of the committee. Um, turning then to our recommendations. Um, uh, our recommendations chair outlined the proposed interventions that are designed to pivot the national system of innovation to a higher growth trajectory and performance level. And these are organized around the five levers of changes outlined by my colleague, Marjorie Pires. So on values, the future of our high education science, technology, innovation and institutional landscape policies, plans and programs, we believe should be grounded in the country's value system in accordance with the growing voice of the STI community and the prevailing concerns of the broader society. The country's values base and the changing international dynamics offer opportunities for a positive discourse. Our African philosophy of Ubuntu may provide a common foundation for building a values-based Hestle and for restoring public trust in state institutions and programs while affirming indigenous knowledge systems and their role in nation building among other practical applications. There's also a need to incorporate values that are aligned with entrepreneurship within the country's innovation discourse to support the overall thrust of our science, technology, and innovation policies, particularly in relation to to inclusive innovation. The multimodal promotion of entrepreneurial values among all sectors of the population will help to create an enabling environment for technology-based enterprise development initiatives, including training. And in this regard, we believe Japan offers a good example of an industrial economy that emerged on the strength of its traditional value system and the incorporation of modern demands, turning so to governance, chair, there is a need to, in our view to pivot the current system towards increased coherence and coordination while combating fragmentation and unhealthy competition and in line with the science, technology and innovation white paper. Transitioning the system to the idealized landscape involves initially establishing a four-tier agenda and priority setting, steering, implementation, and monitoring framework. The components of the governance framework include the establishment of the Presidential Advisory Council, or plenary, on science and innovation, whose primary role is to set the agenda for the national system of innovation. Through, so for example, considering and approving four to five societal grand challenges or missions, which we address later, the advisory council or plenary will be supported by an interministerial committee, the second level, an interdepartmental committee of directors general, the third level, and a reconceptualized national foundation for research and innovation, the fourth level. For which more details on each will be provided shortly. We also make a call to reimagine and reinvent the National Advisory Council on Innovation into a substantive, legitimate, and competent national advisory body. In order to widen its influence, it is recommended that it should be located within the presidency as the Secretary to the Presidential Advisory Council. And um, this matter. Um, received much discussion with the department um, and there is an alternative view that in the short term um, NACI um, uh, be strengthened in a manner that um, uh, we are advising uh, but that it in the interim be located within the Ministry of Higher Education Science Innovation. Uh, turning Chair to resourcing A set of profound measures we believe have to be undertaken to restore the vitally important role of business and industry in the local research, technological development and innovation of enterprise. Such measures should include, amongst others, a call made for the state to use its, for the state to use its considerable procurement muscle to stimulate and deepen domestic technology transfer and industrial innovation by setting aside a percentage of the state procurement spend for promoting local innovation, securing business and industry's effective and authoritative participation in the Presidential Advisory Council or Plenary, reviewing the existing business and industry research, innovation, and technology transfer tax incentive scheme for a possible pivot to greater effectiveness and impact, Establishing national and regional platforms to forge collaborations between universities, science entities, business and industry. Establishing industry-based masters, doctoral and postdoctoral programs to strengthen networks within the higher education science, technology, innovation, institutional landscape, while ensuring quality problem-focused research training. And then on the problem of capital flight, these should, this should be addressed using all opportunities and means at government's disposal. Measures should be considered to reverse the decline in the business expenditure on research and development, both in real terms and as a proportion of the gross expenditure on research and development. And we believe studies should be undertaken to explore the most appropriate mix of funding uh, sources, uh, taking into account the objective for an increased gross expenditure on research
0: hey, chairperson i'm going to come in for ireland
1: Um, in this re- I will move on and, and just touch on the last three points that he was going to make there. In this regard, innovation policies need to take into account the intricacies of the local political economy in order to navigate and leverage the polar tendencies that are prevalent within across and across the private and public sectors. The failure to recognize and accommodate these driving forces within the country's political economy will undermine the achievement of inclusive innovation and a transformed economy. Trade policies should enable an increase in the technological and social capital for local firms. The ministry is responsible for science and innovation and trade industry and competition should be centrally involved in trade negotiations so that trade agreements can be leveraged to drive industrialization and technology transfer and to nurture and catalyze indigenous firms. And as evidenced in the deeply polarizing standoff between many OECD countries and China, note should be taken of the risks and opportunities that arise within the ever evolving political economy of the global NSI. In the next lever on capabilities, our recommendations are There is a need for a reconceptualization of the NSI to better position it for addressing unemployment, poverty, and inequality. This can be achieved, among other means, by a comprehensive articulation of inclusive innovation and a delineation of the NSI to accommodate the voices and participation of the marginalized communities. Policymakers and practitioners should take every available opportunity to equip themselves with the necessary knowledge and skills required for pivoting the NSI towards real inclusive innovation. In order for the country to achieve the NDP outcomes, the country's research capacity must be scaled up considerably with a purposeful prioritization of research and full-time researcher growth in critical areas for the economy and society. The research and development and innovation missions that we propose here can provide the necessary focus for capacity building in areas that address head-on the fundamental needs of our people. In addition to instituting a program of industry-based research studies, it is recommended that postgraduate studies and publications within engineering and its allied disciplines, such as computer, information and advanced digital sciences and technologies should be urgently supported. Such action would pivot the skills base towards innovation, supporting capabilities. Additionally, it is recommended that an advanced engineering and digital technologies science institute to catalyze this nascent industry be established. Such an action would not be dissimilar to to the establishment of the National Institute for Humanities and Social Sciences. There should be dedicated coordination of the research intensity in both the basic and applied fields in the environmental sciences by the DSI under a New Environmental and Climate Change Research Council. It is envisaged that such a new research entity would fall under the umbrella of the proposed National Foundation for Research and Innovation, which will be detailed shortly. Um, and I hope Professor Reinsberg will be back by then. Appropriate science and knowledge diplomacy measures and actions, such as been successfully achieved in the instance of the Square Kilometre Array Program, should be undertaken to support the elevation and deepening of the country's NSI. And then on coherence. Thanks, thanks very much,
5: Marjorie. Great. <laughs> um, apologies again, Chair, for um, going off air um, and members. And thanks so much, Marjorie, um, for jumping in for me. Um, With your permission, then, Chair, I'll continue on coherence. We recommend a centralized, single national foundation for research and innovation, and that this be established by 2030 to bring under one umbrella the various entities in the innovation system value chain from those performing basic research to tech transfer, innovation, and commercialization. We believe this would create a seamless innovation funnel that ensures that there are no chasms that stifle industrialization. And it's recommended the foundation be created from a consolidation and clustering of existing agencies into councils or fields or clusters according to their key areas of focus, and then placing them under one implementing agency that will facilitate the innovation activities within the clusters. In this regard, the pathway of the establishment of the United Kingdom Research and Innovation or UCRI, and similar implementing agencies in other peer nations we believe is instructive. To address the coordination uh, issues um, and lack of integrated planning between DSI and the Department of Higher Education and Training and interdepartmental planning, coordinating and system steering mechanism must be established in our view. Similarly, interventions can be considered in relation to other government departments that ought to be working closely in the interests of an integrated higher education, science, technology, and innovation system. Turning then to the uh, proposed implementation pathway check, as requested by the DG and the department, Um, Firstly, on the proposed national coordinating framework, just a little bit more detail as you see um, in the slide. Um, As part of transitioning to the idealized landscape, we now provide then more detail on this four-level mechanism. First level that we uh, have referred to as the Presidential Advisory Council or Plenary for Science and Innovation. Um, The Council of Plenary should be chaired by the President, uh, and comprise of high-level representatives from the cross-section of the national system of innovation, including business, industry, government, higher education, non-government organisations, and civil society. The principal role of the plenary will be the setting, the reviewing, and the updating of the country's mid- and long-term policy agenda for science, technology, innovation, and industrialisation. It will also consider and provide specific advice knowledge and guidance to government, such as in the instance of the research, development and innovation, societal grand challenges or missions. It should also publish medium-term agendas or strategy documents for research, innovation and industrialization. Uh, A reconstituted as well as mission and capacity reinforced National Advisory Council on Innovation will then provide the advisory and the secretarial support to the Presidential Advisory Council or Plenary. Second level is the ministerial panel operating under the oversight of the Presidential Advisory Council of Plenary. It will be a panel of ministers from all the sectors that have a critical stake in higher education science, technology, innovation, and industrialization. Chaired by the minister of higher education science and innovation, the panel will be responsible for steering monitoring, evaluation, and remediation of the system when and where required. The third level, um, the interdepartmental group, group, is a group of directors general that will also include apex leaders of universities, science councils, and agencies organized within knowledge, innovation, and tech transfer and industrialization fields, clusters, councils, The interdepartmental group will be responsible for implementing the national system of innovation agenda inclusive of all programs and societal grant challenges or missions. The fourth level on to the next slide is the national foundation for research and innovation. The long-term goal to be established by 2030 uh, we recommend that the various entities within the higher education science, technology innovation institution landscape be reconstituted as science councils or clusters in the National Foundation for Research and Innovation. The foundation constitutes the science, technology, and innovation spine of the NSI, or National System of Innovation. In the short to medium term, the various entities will be reconstituted as science councils or clusters under the interdepartmental group. Um, As we can see, chair and members of the committee, uh, we have just given an example of how um, uh, this um, uh, could work out. um, uh, The humanities and social sciences by way of example, biotech and biological sciences, engineering, physical materials, and ICT. um, A fourth one on the natural environment, a fifth one on space science and astronomy, uh, number six, research South Africa, which would cluster the research active university, presumably every one of our universities, alongside um, the National Research Foundation and other entities. Uh, the science and technology facilities um, as a very specific theme um, or cluster, and then innovate and industrialise, which would include entities um, such as, uh, for example, the CSIR, um, TIA, um, and and other. Uh, important entities um, that sit in that particular space. Um, So next then, Chair, um, turning to the research development and innovation missions as we move towards the end of the presentation. In conducting the capacity analysis of the higher education science technology, uh, institutional and uh, innovation landscape The panel gave considerable focus and attention to examining the size, the shape, the direction, the responsiveness and impact of the research and innovation and the higher education systems. This included the identification and examination of research development and innovation activity and a capacity across the national system of innovation that is aligned with the science technology innovation white paper, the national plan for post-school education and training as well as the report of the National Advisory Council on Innovations Foresight Study. The pivoting of the higher education science technology institutional, informa- institutional landscape to address the existing gaps and shortcomings, we believe should take place alongside a reconfiguration of the research agenda to add a special focus on the key developmental challenges facing the country to this end. The practice of identifying transdisciplinary societal grand challenges or missions is appropriate. The research development and innovation missions will help to catalyze concentrated focus for given periods of time to respond to some of the key socioeconomic challenges of our country. While the overall science, technology, and innovation landscape agenda will continue to be implemented across the system, In accordance with the approved national and organizational plans, the societal grand challenges or missions will earmark special domains that require sustained research development and innovation activity. Our system capacity analysis and in-depth examination of the entity goals led to the identification of four research development and imagined, uh, HESTL, and socially responsive Agenda: the four proposed missions outlined on the slide, uh, and we believe they met all the criteria that we applied, as outlined in the full report to this prioritisation exercise. They also provide the country's value system, uh, support the country's value system, and would contribute towards pivoting the system towards greater collaboration. The following: these are then the four societal grand challenges, as we show on the slide. Um, health and well-being, which would allow putting in place proactive efforts to deal with communicable diseases that affect communities, improve life expectancy, and achieve food sovereignty and nutritional democracy. On climate crisis and change, this would enable the sustaining of the integrity and the enhancement of the ecosystem services and the relation to an improved quality of life. The next one is work livelihoods and in a changing technological world, uh, to focus on responses that address that redress vital gender, race, class, generational income and household inequalities. And fourthly, learning, education and scholarship for a future society to enhance the proactive scientific, technological and interpretive capacities of the system. These uh, societal grand challenges or missions offer these additional advantages. They provide a platform for the country's priorities to be succinctly communicated Recording with, stopped. In, with increased clarity and precision to all the country's citizens and other stakeholders. The missions can form the basis for coordination across multiple silos in the existing system within and between government departments, businesses, and industry, and civil society. They're well positioned to indicate where the opportunities for the scaling up of the national system of innovation should be, as well as the priority areas for developing capabilities for innovation. And over time, the four missions can provide a platform for South African excellence in some of the most important global challenges, particularly in the developing world. Further work that supported the identification of the missions and possible reconfigurations that will enable their success, include network mapping. The mappings are based on financial connectivity in all four priorities to give a tangible indication of the state of the respective innovation ecosystems. A full description and presentation of the networking exercises contained, chair and members, in the comprehensive review view report. The next few slides um, just give some more substance on each of these four. So health and well-being. Um, uh, uh, maps well with some of the existing work in health technologies, nutrition, food security, food sovereignty, and nutrition for a uh, healthy population. Um, the work livelihoods in the changing technological world, again, maps well with some of the existing work that's already um, underway, such as the marine science and the ocean economy, industrial diversification and the future of jobs, the high-tech industry domain, circular economy cluster, um, sustainable energy mixes, and opportunities and impacts of ICTs. The climate crisis change also maps well with the integrated solutions for water security work and the earth sciences, climate change, and water security work, whereas the learning education and scholarship for future society already maps well uh, with education for the future and sustainable technologies for the marginalized and the future of society. In conclusion, Honorable Chair and members of the Portfolio Committee as demonstrated in this review report, South Africa's national system of innovation is at a crossroads. If the status quo is allowed to continue, this system will continue to underperform and will remain plagued by incoherence and discordance. In such an instance, the NSI will fail to generate the benefits of a knowledge economy envisaged by the DSI and the NDP. And in this regard, the review panel has outlined several measures that could be implemented to pivot the system towards increased collaboration, coherence, and innovation. Chairperson uh, and members of the committee, we thank you with sincere appreciation for the special privilege uh, you have granted us via the DG. Um, uh, uh to our committee to make this presentation
0: on all, and I thank you. Chair, you might be muted.
7: Honorable members, is the chair still on the platform?
3: I don't see the chair's name. Okay.
8: Thank you
7: very much, uh, honorable members. Let me just hold the fort up until um, the chair comes back on the system. I'm not sure if I'm audible enough because I also have um, network challenges. If I'm audible, we can then proceed. Let's take this opportunity to thank the leadership of the department as well as um, all members on the platform. We'll then, uh, Given that we have arrived at the end of the presentation, I would then allow members to make inputs, ask questions in relation to the presentation, and then they, after the department, together with the leadership of the institution, will be, then come to, will then respond. I see the hand of Honourable Mananiso, Honourable King, Honourable Borshov, in that order, honourable members.
0: Okay. Uh,
8: thank you, Chairperson. Uh, let me start by actually welcoming the presentation. And Chairperson, one must say that at least while they were rep- uh, actually presenting to us, some of the issues one can identify with as a reflection with regards to our challenges in government, in terms of ensuring that uh, there's coherent system and we're planning together, people are working in unison rather than in isolation and as well, uh, having this unhealthy competition. I, I just want uh, prof, prof to give us clarity and examples in terms of what what is it that was, was identified as unhealthy competition and was the, that competition based on, uh, some political interference or, or what? Uh, I just need uh, actually clarity with regards to that. And one must say that we actually welcome, uh, the progress made. And I just want to check as well, uh, Chapeston, in terms of the possibilities of us getting a written submission with regards to a program of action on recommendation uh, that will be simplified based on uh, what could be the short-term medium plans and as well the long-term plans with regards to their recommendation because that will actually assist us as, as the portfolio committee to do our oversight. So that's what I want to do to, to say to them. And Recording chapter, in in progress. about as well the four level agenda of priority because one could tell that at times most of the department they've been planning for themselves but not the people. Hence there's this uh, a, a challenge that there's uh, there's been lack of value systems within our department. And I'm uh, I'm happy that at least with regards to the uh uh four societal uh grand challenges they have indicated that at the heart of everything, the people are included in terms of uh, those particular four levels. So I'm happy that at least the sense that now we are playing together with uh, stakeholders and everybody, rather than bringing people in bits and pieces as it when we go along. So it is important that from start to finish, everybody would be on board in terms of ensuring that he still takes uh, the country forward in terms of achieving Vision 2030. And uh, lastly, Chairperson, one would want to actually congratulate uh, members who have been uh, employed to actually uh, do this particular research. And I I can say that uh, there's more to be desired in terms of uh, the positive uh, impact of this particular uh, 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 process, and I thank you.
7: Thank you very much, uh, Honourable King.
9: Um, thank you, uh, Whip. Um, and I also must agree. Um, this was really a good presentation; very insightful. Um, but I'm just—I just have four things that I want to mention. Firstly, on the silo approach between DSI and TED, um, which basically you spoke about the coordination and integration of strategy and planning. But I would have liked to have seen, um, and I thought I would see it in the slide on the interdepartmental planning approach uh, where the Department of Basic Education would fit in. Um, I know to most it would not be seen as a research imperative for uh, basic education. But in terms of the cohort of students that we would like to venture into the system, to ensure that we have this continuous flow of learners that will eventually reach post-graduate um, level, so I would have liked to have seen where um, they would fit in because we see a new trend now, especially with quintiles one to three schools where they basically just take mathematical literacy instead of mathematics, physical science, um, life science, computer science. So that is where my stress uh, basically comes in of frustration is that we will forever then have more the affluent type of learner progressing more into those areas um, in terms of STEM research fields instead of the ones that are in Quinta 1, 2, and 3, and we should at least be at some level where we can progress the country holistically in terms of both the educational sphere. So I would have loved to have seen that. Um, then you, it was also mentioned that there was a set of institutions which are either too small or have little impact um, to make any meaningful contribu- contribution. Um, uh, is there... In the report, a, re- a way that we are looking at rationalizing some of these entities into one um, in order to have a more streamlined and focused approach, uh, because we do see that some of the entities are basically parallel to each other um, and they're tapping into each other. Recording spaces, in so progress. A more rationalized approach would be very welcome. Um, I I'm very, very happy when it was said that the National Foundation for Research and Innovation, um, you will have one single um centralized entity for that. It is something that um I did advocate for January when we did some of the um oversight in the Northern Cape. Um and my stance was when NACI should actually be set in the president president's office. Um, to have a more streamlined approach, we, when we did oversight in the previous parliament as the Department of Science Innovation in Japan and South Korea, you actually saw that that was where the central was. was in the presidency in order to make sure that the information is more streamlined into 4IR. It's all technology. Recording in industry. progress. You see those industry, um, performing so well um let me just get my catch up going again and then the last one all your recommendations that was made um is the department of science and innovation capacitated um to actually implement all of it and also the budgetary requirements um that would be needed for this implementation going into the future thank you chairperson once again thank you for a great presentation
0: Thank you honorable king honorable sibia
10: Okay thanks Chepesi uh, welcome the presentation allow me to switch off my video uh, greetings to everyone and uh, um I would like to know, does the current structure and function enable the steel to respond effectively to socioeconomic needs? If the answer is no, what measures are needed to address the inaccuracies? And uh, I would like to know in relation to the recommendation that has been accepted, is the department adequately capacitated to address the findings and implement the recommendations of the still review panel? And what are the enable recording stopped needed for implementations? I thank you, Chairperson.
2: Thank you, Honorable Sevilla. Honorable Boshoff.
11: Uh, thank you, Chair. And uh, I also want to uh, recognize the quality of the um, uh, presentations and uh, well, I think it should be commended uh, from the minister's side that when there is a major problem, uh, he gets in the the help of a ministerial task team, uh, meaning uh, a panel of of experts to advise and to make new plans, and I think it's much better than just uh, blundering through. Uh, if there's such a word, otherwise I've just invented it um, with, with how things are going. Um, there are just two things that I want to mention or ask about. The one thing is uh, uh, a new uh, council on climate change. Uh, I, If I wasn't in politics, I would have been a climate activist. Um, and uh, it's, it's very important to me. But, uh, I, I just want to question or rather put a, um, a dot alongside this idea of a new council. Uh, why can't it be incorporated or why can't uh, functions within a council like the CSIR be expanded, uh, to do this job? Uh, do we really, really need a new council with a new board, with a new, um, everything um i think one of the problems that we have um encountered is that when we establish uh, quite new organizations or councils uh, i actually want to refer to the CETAS. it t- takes quite a while even a decade or two to get everything running uh, or uh is the idea uh, perhaps the opposite that there was a reference made to internal competition between different entities and, uh, uh, corruption, which also, uh, is part of the, of the landscape and that the attempt is to make a fresh beginning without any of that. Uh, I'm not always sure, uh, about the wisdom of that because we have this, um, uh, core of, uh, uh, well, suitably qualified and experienced people. And, uh, it's, it's like shifting around uh, chairs on the same deck. I don't want to say the Titanic's deck because I don't think anything is shing- sinking. Uh, It's just this idea of uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul kind of thing. Um, And then the other uh, uh, issue I want to mention is the idea of letting this uh, overarching body reside within the presidency. Um, uh, You know, sometimes you have a good president and sometimes uh, not such a good one. But isn't that the function of cabinet? I mean, all ministers are inside the presidency. Otherwise, we have a cabinet inside the cabinet. All the functions residing in the presidency's, presidency's, kind of, a, uh, uh, an inner cabinet. And then you have the real cabinet. Um, it, it just doesn't. Uh, well, let's say the alternative idea that Professor Rendsburg, uh mentioned sounds to me more uh, like what I would like to support. But of course, when one gets more information, we, one can always change one's mind if you find out that you are wrong. So I would uh, like to know on those two issues. Thank you very much, Chair.
2: Thank you very much, Honourable Boshoff.
7: Honourable Masati. Thank you very much, Chair, and good morning to yourself and all Honourable members and the department, including panel members of, of the HISTL. Chair, um, first and foremost, I would like to echo the inputs by Honourable members that this was indeed a very good presentation, gives a clear analysis in terms of where we want to go. However, I would um, had appreciated if the presentation had infused, even just a slide or two, on the current system, the current uh, status quo in terms of uh, science and innovation, and what we want, to, what where we are now, recording in progress, and uh, where we'll, where we intend to go, given the panel review um, and the, the the review on HESTL so that one is able to have a broader analysis in terms of this is where we are, this is where we want to go. Though I'm I'm taking cognizance of the fact that Prof. Ransberg and all panel members did make mention of it, and part of the presentation, especially at the intro level, does speak to those issues. My my questions, Chair, I would firstly start where MAMSB has landed, that uh, in terms of the implementation of this particular um, Out recording staff, as far as the revenue is concerned, it would uh, the capacity to implement that by the department had we looked into it, and all other stakeholders who are meant to participate actively in this process. Secondly, is on the resource mobilization. Will we be able to? You know, how will we enable this process to, to, to you know, to flourish? Um, looking at the resource mobilization, have we looked at where will we get the resources over and above the fact that different entities will be coming together and bring their resources together to be able to see the output of this particular review? But above that, where else can we locate the resources to make sure that we we flourish in terms of what we want to achieve? My questions, uh, Chair, in relation to the presentation itself, It's. um, I just want to find out from the panel what is the extent of impact of private investment on the strategic focus of research and is there a linkage um, with the socio-economic national imperatives in relation to what we want to achieve. Secondly, that the innovation ecosystem will require a systemic integration between knowledge production and its translation to practice or innovatively develop. Therefore, what levers can enable an interconnection to support innovative ideas in the higher education system as a prominent feature to support uh, this particular innovation. Uh, Chair, key to 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 innovation is our ability to harness knowledge at a very early age. Therefore, what aspect from the study, impact basic education, precisely because innovative thinking is harnessed at an early age and should be developed as a culture. So in the study, where have we located that particular aspect of um, harnessing innovation at a very early age? Chair, part of the challenges that we have is the research capacity. And in terms of our current research and development impact, what, which sector have experienced a significant R&D impact as critical lever of sector development? Looking at the presentation, we look at research capacity from different angles, but I would want to check in terms of uh, the significance of R&D from all other entities and all other aspects that we looked, which ones are significant and will play recording a in role progress. in making sure that we do achieve what we want to achieve. And how does the hazing aspect link to decolonization as a principle to advance transformation in our society? Because critical to innovation is also to decolonize um, certain aspects or certain principles in order to make sure that our we promote our IKS. And lastly, Chair, what is the current impact of the R&D tax in incentives? And is there are the incentives or will the incentive impact positively towards making sure that we achieve? Uh, what we want to achieve precisely based on the 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 resource mobilisation will we be able to look at other uh tax incentives that will assist us to really have necessary resources in making sure that this particular uh review recording the light, the light of day The last part uh, is on the the recommendations themselves. I'm quite happy with the recommendation, especially uh, how they have been located in terms of values, resource and so forth and so on. And to say part of what we seek to do as science and innovation is to make sure that science and innovation responds to the socioeconomic needs of the country. And I think with what we, the department has developed in as far as the decadal plan, how will this a hustle review uh, be linked to that decadal plan? Because I could I, I get a sense that there is a linkage between the two. And how will we, you know, what what will be how will we traverse that particular journey to make sure that we are not haphazard in approach, that the hustle is in line with what we want to achieve with the decadal plan, and how do we fuse them together? To make sure that the output does not also make us look like we're working in silos and there is a synergy between the two. Thank you very much,
2: Thank you very much, um, Honorable Mashati. Honorable Yabo, I'm not sure if you wanted to come in as well. Uh,
4: no, Chairperson, uh, I think I'm, I'm covered by uh, Honorable Members.
2: Okay. Thank you so much, uh, Honorable Yabo. I had really hoped that by now I would be able to um, switch on my camera. You see, these are the, these are the type of um, matters that we want our national system of innovation to be able to address that, um, well, first, of, first and foremost, of course, um, the crisis around energy and the lack of uh, sustainable energy in the country Um, but also you know why is it that when there's when the power goes off then you know the entire uh, telecommunications systems or towers go uh, become unstable for some time so I think those are some of the you know um, daily lived uh, challenges that um, we would want um, the national system of innovation, we would want uh, science, technology and innovation, we would want the higher education, science, technology and innovation landscape um, to to look into. Colleagues, I think there's general consensus um, across all sentiments that uh, members have shared today to say that this presentation is really appreciated. I think for me, what I also appreciate from the presentation is an affirmation of the, the, the posture that the committee has taken over the last, um, uh, I don't know, since 2019, um, you know, to say that we, we, we want a uh, national system of innovation that is responsive to um, the socioeconomic needs of the country. We want an impactful um, National system of innovation. We want an inclusive national system of innovation. I mean, when we talk about, for example, re- rebuilding the national system of innovation value system, which Honourable Manaliso spoke to at large,
0: um,
2: and ensuring that that system is embedded in South African in the South African value system, it's such a massive task because it, it first charges on us as South Africans to establish a a a a Uh, commonly adhere to agree to um, value system and which also speaks of course to our national identity and if there's a common understanding of um, our national identity as South Africans it's a much deeper um, political uh, social conversation that needs to take place Um, and 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 so ensuring that um, when we when we have if we have I mean that's also another conversation on its own do we have a commonly adhered to value system as South Africans um, beyond our constitution. Um, of course, um, you know, and and so and if we do have, if there are those who are saying we have it. What is it, and and can we all agree to it, and how do we make sure that that is then translated to 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 to, to various sectors of our society? In this case, in particular, in the, the national system of innovation, and I mean, uh, of course i I want to stress the fact that our constitution does remain um, a solid foundation for building that value system All right so and and I think for me coming out of that point on its own under recommendations is then how, the importance of um, ensuring inclusivity and representation within the national system of innovation in order for for a collective um uh, i don't know manifestation of uh south african or a south african value system to then uh, tr- you know transcend into the national system of innovation so it, you can only ensure that well honorable boshoff would argue would argue differently but i i want to argue that one of the ways in which you can ensure that the national that that the south african value system is embedded in the national system of innovation is by ensuring inclusivity and representation within the space. Um, I then want to fully support, um, you know, the the, the recommendation around um, reimagining and reinventing NACI. and I think that also has been a resolution of the committee. So also to see those synergies in terms of what the committee thinks should be happening in the system, and and what this this report is saying should be happening. In the system, also we also want to totally concur with the role that um, perhaps the presidential plenary should be playing in setting the agenda, in fact, arguing further that the, that the president <laughs> himself um, must set the agenda, I think we you know we, we, we were having conversations with some colleagues across the globe on how, in that particular conversation, we were speaking about how um, how space how, how we get space to be um uh, um you know lifted in terms of its importance of, across governments and i think in this case i want to speak about how we get science technology, and innovation to be lifted and highlighted as important as articulated in this report and the role it should be playing as articulated in, in this report and and the the, the, the you know a, a strong sentiment that was coming out was that Um, often when the president says something must happen, then, you know, we are bound to see people follow that type of leadership. And so I think the agenda definitely must be set within the presidency and and by the president himself. And so really also wanting to support um, those particular recommendations or uh, implementation plans that are uh, unfolding. And then going to a matter that the WIP, Honourable Maslarati, had spoken to around the um, you know, she, she, her identifying synergies between the decadal plan and the work that the decadal plan should should should, should be doing and what the report is saying, um, you know, should be happening through its recommendations. Definitely, I think there are synergies between the two. I mean, when we, for example, um, look into, uh, think about a finding on state-owned enterprises for fitting their role as key actors within the national system of innovation and their participation in research and development um, declining. Um, You know, when we just look at that first part around the fact, you know, when we look at the state-owned enterprises and we expand that to government departments, expand that to the entire public sector, um, and, 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 you know, that particular observation that their role um, as key actors within the national system has, has declined is exactly what the decadal plan is saying we need to fix and is exactly what the recommendations of this report are saying we need to fix. So definitely there are synergies between the two. And I would like to believe, Um, uh, uh, Dirigi, um Patel, that the decadal plan would then be the overarching plan which, in which, um, you know, Sorry, colleagues. In which uh, synergies, such as um, or oh, efforts—sorry, efforts such as um, Histo—should be strengthening what should be happening within the Decadal Plan? If I'm incorrect, coll- colleagues will guide us. But you know, one would assume that that, that the, the Decadal Plan becomes this overarching um, plan, and and you know. Um, interventions such as the, his, uh, uh, such as his deal become supportive to that. But, um, colleagues will clarify us because that recording is recording in progress. It's very interesting and, um, could also, could also ensure like the, the web had mentioned that we don't, um, that we build on the integration that, that, that the decadal plan seeks to achieve and not have these pockets and silos of everyone pulling in different directions, um, which, which, which the deal report in itself also articulates as a concern. Um, and then I also, of course, also I'm wanting to echo the sentiment um, that, uh, you know, have been expressed by the WIP and uh, Honourable Sibia around Really around the how, you know, and and just like un- unpacking a bit more on on the how and and what where we recording stopped uh, where we where, where this report must go. So you know, does this report go
0: recording in progress?
2: Sits with the DSI. Does this report get shared across departments? Um, of course, we understand the role that the um, presidential plenary would play. Also. But I think we just need to get a sense of the how, because really the observations are on point, the recommendations are on point, uh, and we fully agree. Well, let me not say we, <laughs> but I think there's a there's a general consensus amongst members that we agree um, with with what is being articulated, and so um, it's something that we would, the the recommendations are that of which we would want to see implemented, um, the the observations are that of which we would want to see addressed. So, um, yeah. And then maybe lastly, um, around a synergy that I am seeing between the conversations, honourable members, that we had during our colloquium on institutional autonomy. I'm really seeing synergies um, between... You know, concerns that were raised by ourselves as members, by various stakeholders, by um, those who had made submissions, you know, around the role of, of, of higher education, but even going further into, the, but, and, and of course, these two spaces are not um, exclusive to one another, right? So there de- definitely are synergies between the two. Of course, we may want to focus on. The, the colloquium may want to look solely at institutional Recording autonomy, um as 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 a matter of the actual institutions that 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 allow for a process of teaching and learning and production of knowledge and research and, and development Recording to take place. Progress. but after that um, You know, there's the there's the conversation around innovation and the and the commercialization of innovation. So and that's how it sort of then feeds into into the science space. And 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 I and I really think that there there are synergies that we are seeing between the conversations we were having during the institution um the colloquium on institutional autonomy um and and what the Histel report is identifying, particularly on what we understand um the higher education sector the role that the higher education sector should be playing in addressing um, socioeconomic uh, uh, collisions within our society, in ensuring that we are able to advance um, our socioeconomic development plans, advance the national development plan. And and so um, uh, I, I really think that this report can even aid the type of concerns that we then raise around institutional autonomy um, but more, I don't think our concern, our key concern is on academic freedom, but our key concern is on cooperative governance and being allowed the space to um, be able to influence, for example, the type of research that Recording uh, students are doing not to... Not to hinder uh, academic freedom, but to say, well, this is a concern in the community right now. This is a concern. We don't have water. We don't have electricity. We're trying to have sustainable infrastructure development um, that can um, that can um, sus- that is sustainable beyond any climate change um, uh, events, beyond any flooding, beyond whatever it may be. Are you able to research? Um, and, and, and help us find solutions that can speak directly to the concerns that we are faced with within various sectors of South Africa now uh, and contribute to the sustainable development of our country. So I think, you know, that's the space that we, we want to be able to influence in our institutions because, look, the government does fund young people to study. Um, and And I think that. There must be a way for us to benefit as a country in terms of our development from that particular investment that we're making into young people. So, um, really, colleagues, mine, I don't have a lot of questions. Um, I think more than anything, I had, uh, I had comments right to, to support the the the, you know, a lot of the observations and recommendations made by, by the report. I just want to check in my notes. Uh, I think I'll leave it at that for now. And then if there's anything else that is missing, um, then we'll come back to it. But maybe a, a key question um, uh, would be around, you know, really how do we use Hairsteel, <laughs> the Hairsteel report to to have, Deeper conversations with um, institutions of higher learning on the role that we want them to be playing. So that's just going back a little to to the conversation around institutional autonomy, right? Um, Yeah, how do we get this report there as well, and how do we get um, you know colleagues in that sector to really buy into, particularly vice chancellors and you know DVCs of academia, registrars to really buy into the vision that uh, history. the histel Report is bringing forth. Um, And then also, perhaps also a question, if um, in your deliberations, whether or not there was any analysis made on the strengths or weaknesses of having the Department of Science and Innovation um, merged with the Department of uh, Higher Education and Training, Um, not from a perspective of, you know a higher education science technology and innovation landscape, but from whether or not we are able to uh whether or not it's working in terms of capacity and whether or not we are able to give um the science technology and innovation part of the ministry sufficient um attention you know for it to 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 fulfill its its mandate um, yeah. I think I'll I'll leave it at that for now. So I'll I'll hand back to um colleagues. Maybe we, we will hand back to I don't know if we should t- hand back to the, um DDG patel or if we sh- should hand back to Prof. Rendsburg, but we'll hand back to hand over back to you colleagues for for your responses. Um, to some of the questions, comments, um, and comments made, and recommendations also, I guess, made by members. Thank you.
3: Um, thanks, Honorable Chair <coughs> and members, for um, a set of very, very useful and insightful comments. Uh, what I wanted to check, uh, Honorable Chair, is how much time do we still Recording have? Recording in time progress. Time uh, because I'm aware that there's a, a second agenda item that uh, colleagues can uh, uh, that uh, is on the agenda of the portfolio committee. This will just help us with the response. And then, in terms of the response, there were responses, there were comments and uh, questions that I think the the review panel can 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 address best. And then I will come in on three comments that I thought were kind of re- required. the perspective. The first is on, uh, the, the way in which we will be taking forward the HESTL review panel recommendations and then its link with the decadal plan. Uh, I think the second issue, uh, that was raised was the recording uh, stock by a number of, of members was DSI's own capacity to implement not just the HESTL review, but the decadal plan. And I'll talk to, to, to that issue. Um, and then the recording uh, in progress third, third, uh, area is on some of the governance arrangements, uh, that I will speak to the, the issue of the NECI and the plenary, et cetera. So I will speak to those issues, but I, I put, uh, uh, um, um uh, Prof. Ransberg that there were questions about the characterization of unhealthy competition, the silo approach between DSI and DHET and, and, and feel free to, uh, comment uh, uh, from your perspective as a as a panel on this issue of a separate DSI or a merged DSI, uh, and then there were other issues that uh, um, I've taken notes down, but you can then talk through it, including uh, your own perspectives. A bit more detail on the National Foundation for Research and Innovation, and whether it's feasible, as uh, as as Dr. Boshoff has highlighted, to to have that. Uh, as a separate entity or to expand an existing entity like the CSR. So your inputs on some of those questions would be useful. So I will focus on those three issues that I spoke about, but maybe I can give it over to the to the review panel to pick up on questions that the committee has raised. Prof. Rendsburg and other members, uh, if you want to, but uh, maybe, Che, if you can just give us a, a signal on the amount of time we have for this agenda item so that we can keep our... Our inputs uh, to the limit.
2: I think if we finish um, by eleven thirty, we should be fine.
3: Okay, so Prof. Fransburg, I'll need about ten minutes, uh, so you can then pick up on some of the issues that that were raised by the committee. Uh,
5: thank you very much, uh, Imran. Thanks very much, Chair and, and members of the committee, for these excellent um, insights and, and inputs that you have shared with us. Um, let me. Um, just at the outset, before I hand back, uh, hand over to, to my two colleagues, in fact, three colleagues, if they could assist, and um, Chair, um, just briefly, um, indicate that, um, indeed we, we were constantly in conversation with the Director, Director General, um, about the Decadal Plan, um, constantly kept informed about that process, um, and from time to time encouraged, um, to um, conclude our work, so that these could also contribute to giving both shape, um, character, uh, substance, and content um, to the um, decadal plan. So, so, you're absolutely correct, Chair, to have identified um, the some of those linkages between the decadal plan and this work. I just want to to further further note, Chair um, and members of the committee. Um, I'm imagining that the the work is done now. Um, uh, the report has been handed over to the minister. The minister is the executive authority then, who, um, on the advice of the DG and the department, will will make um, a call or decisions um, on the recommendations. Some of these have already been made um, and and processed or included in the decadal plan. By way of example. Um, and and obviously, uh, to the extent that the minister will have to consult with his uh, cabinet colleagues and the president that that will also um, occur. I'm imagining, therefore, chair, as you ask the question that the that, that I'm imagining the the report as it stands as a useful and a helpful document, a reference document, if you like, uh, a document with which you Uh, all of us could have an iterative set of conversations. Um, um, And for that matter, for the individual, for conversations with individual colleagues um, who who were members of this panel. I just want to address a couple of issues quickly, Chair, then and and then ask my colleagues if they could could, could tackle some of the very specific questions. Um, Firstly, on the issue of unhealthy competition, Um, And how do we leverage existing um, resources uh, more effectively? And how can we um, achieve a um, DSI-DHET collaboration planning uh, mode, so to speak? Um, So let me illustrate, Chair and members of the committee, um, that what we have seen as we draw attention to, in the, to the report and the presentation is that the system took off extremely well. Um, up to about four or five years ago, the system was growing robustly in respect of research publications output. And I emphasize the word research publications output on the one hand, and then on the other hand, research masters output and PhD um, uh, dissertation outputs. And the reason for, in part for, or in large for the spike, um, sustained spike, if you like, um, over a a 15 to 20 year period, was the growth in the research development grant that was particularly available to universities who still produce over 80% of the publications output as we speak. Um, The question that we ask ourselves is, is it not time to review that incentive? Um, because in part, um, the cynical approach would be to look at this publication output, PhD output, research master's output, and say, actually, uh, what we are seeing here um, is a, or what we had seen up to a point um, four years ago, uh, phenomenal growth funded through the research development grant. Um, uh, um, I'm going to be, I guess, pretty blunt to chair members of the committee, um, having been in operating in that space myself, um, research outputs, whether publications, research masters or PhDs seem to have become ends in themselves, uh, back to a point that you and a number of the members of the portfolio committee have raised here this morning, um, about the, 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 the substantive contribution of these research masters, PhDs, and publications output. So we've, we've seen it spike over a sustained period of time. It's now leveled off. Um, has this actually contributed in any manner um, to um, addressing um, the issues that we face from a social, um, economic, and political point of view? Um, What we are saying in this review is that it is time to to do a check. It is time to perhaps now begin to say that that research development grant, which has until now enabled this this growth and this plateau to be reached, although, as we point out, the plateau puts us uh, behind Egypt in another year or two and has already put us behind some of the key peers um, in the industrializing, developing world. Uh, What we are saying is that there is immense opportunity with that research development grant to focus the the, the effort. Um, uh, So, for example, a pragmatic approach might well be to say that we would support. um, We would still take 50% of the research development grant in order to support generalised research. But since we would take 50%, the remaining 50% of that grant now to fund specific activities. And, and this would have to see the DSI and DHET work together if we were to go down that route by way of example. So what are the areas we'd want to drive? We'd want to drive the, the four missions or five missions um, that will uh, come out of the decadal plan. Uh, we've signaled some of these, uh, four of these um, in our work. Um, and then secondly, it could stimulate the innovation commercialization links of research. So we could say um, we are now also looking for research publications in these four um, societal grand challenge areas uh, that also have clear links to innovation and commercialization. So I'm just using that as a very specific example uh, that we can use bring the NRS into the room with its um, uh, resource envelope, bring the DHET with its research development grant envelope, and the question is whether we can not grow that by uh, taking some other grants um, um, to, to up this 1.3 billion rands research development grant, perhaps to a higher level, um, and then have the, the two departments with some of the key um, institutions sit down and begin to challenge themselves about driving a focus on the societal grand challenges driving a focus on research innovation commercialization links of the research so so I'm I'm, I'm hoping that that, have, that helps chair to 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 perhaps situate um the DH uh, the, the DHET and the DSI and how they can work together in a planned manner um to utilize the existing uh, resource envelopes um to achieve these goals that we have. Um, We obviously also draw attention, chair and committee members, to the importance of growing the research capacity base, meaning the number of um, full-time researchers and postdoc fellows. uh, And this uh, clearly would also then become part of that conversation um, um, as well. So I'm hoping that that also helps to illustrate how you can how we can pragmatically attend to the issue of institutional autonomy and academic freedom to undertake research. Um, uh, But nonetheless, the state grant has worked well. That's the research development grant. Um, It is now time, in our opinion, to focus it um, in very specific manners. Uh, With your permission, Chair, if I could perhaps then ask um, Ms. Myers if she could tackle the issue of how we understand research councils uh, not, certainly not, uh, honorable Boshoff in, in the same manner as the CSIR. We think of fields of knowledge, fields of, um, uh, of, 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 work. Uh, if, if Marjorie could please tackle that, um, and, um, any of the other specific issues that have been raised and that if, um, uh, Mr. Madisha with your permission check would then tackle also the issues relating to basic education, um, and how we we see um, the driving um, of STEM um, in 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 the basic education field given the range of issues that have, have been raised there. Um, thank you very much, Chair. If I could with your permission hand over to Ms.
0: Pines.
1: Sorry, Chair, I've just had a bit of difficulty with the muting. Um, and, and thank you for this opportunity. Um, what we have found in terms of the environmental sciences, the marine and Antarctic research, is that you've got pockets of excellence and, and quite major programs uh, running through the NRF, running through uh, the CSIR, uh, some at Sanby, and, and in, in some cases, at particular universities, whether it is your your Stellenbosch University or your uh, um, uh, University of KwaZulu-Natal. The problem is it's pockets of excellence. And our comments earlier on about fragmentation, about competing for resources, uh, it means that you, you find you can't optimize Uh, You can't expand the program in the right directions because whoever gets the resources is driving their particular agenda. And the degree of influence, this is where the political economy comes in, the degree of influence can shape where where the science is happening. Uh, We've argued that in the environmental uh, uh, climate change agenda, as well as energy security issues, as well as water security issues, there is so much that is critical to our developmental needs that we need a consolidated position. We need to rather look at the science and to look at the technologies and see how we get one South African effort underway. We get much more of a focus. And this in the past has been done through setting up national institutes, setting up research councils, so that they drive a particular national agenda. It's not internal organizations fighting for limited resources. What is more critical is that with such a consolidation, you then are able to drive up human capital. You're able to much more easily grow a stronger base of research capacity. You are able to make a better case For resources for the kind of infrastructure that that research needs, because it's not one institution competing against another institution for the resources in a particular field. There's a national agenda, there's a National Research Council, and it then has the mandate to secure that sector and to expand and grow it. Um, I hope I'm making sense on that one. And... um, we, we we believe that uh, some of the the, the the nuances that were coming from the well I believe coming from the portfolio committee about not wanting to rob Peter to pay Paul this is what we'd actually in in effect be doing if we had a consolidated uh, uh, position in this climate centric uh, uh, period.
0: Uh, thank you, Chair. Thank you, colleagues.
2: Is that are those all the responses?
6: Um, I I still have a response. Um, thanks, chair. Um, I think just um, on on the question that Prof. Rensbeck had asked me um, with respect to the basic education. So part of what um, we have done in the report was to uh, capitalise these um, many things that we're looking at into grand challenges, and one of the consideration was to look at. Um, an area where we look at where basic education comes in terms of uh, its relationship with um, science and innovation or as part of the, um, here's still uh, uh, landscape. And, and one thing I can say is that there is a linkage uh, between DHAD, DSI with respect to basic education. And that comes in the form of um, some of the uh, institutions that are falling into the department, some of the, um, institutions like SASTA, as an example, or NSTF, which have uh, programs that are aimed at ensuring that there's a streamline of uh, ensuring that the, the, the science skills required, um, there's some sort of an advocacy around that. Obviously, there's a limit in terms of how much you can influence, but I think these um, institutions, together with some NGOs, they do quite a number of things, such as um, taking learners on... Uh, weekends uh, just to ensure that there's training, there's familiarity with sciences, ensuring that through SASTA as an example, uh, it does programs where it promotes uh, the idea of doing maths instead of maths literacy, ensuring that um, there's a promotion of science subjects uh, in a way of ensuring that we can improve on the pipeline of uh, learners who are coming through to uh, higher education. So there are linkages. that They obviously can be strengthened and more can be done. But there are linkages as far as this institutional landscape looks like. Um, they are not, as I said, direct, but you, you do it through uh, some of these institutions that fall under the department. Um, I, had, I had just other responses, Prof, just to maybe quickly run through some of the questions that were asked. And, and I think Matlasi was asking on whether the report talks about the mapping of the SEs as well as the proposed um, institutional um, look and feel. And and we do cover that. There's a section just under a section 5.3 of the report where um, we do indicate from an organogramic point of view, uh, from, as an organogram, we indicate how the SE looks like and uh, how it would look like in terms of the model that I think was at, uh, spoken to in our report that looks at the, the NFRI. Um, and, and that indicates how we propose this model should look like going forward. But we do cover how the SEs looks like and how uh, the future should look like of uh, this proposed system. Uh, there's also just in terms of the SEs, um, an indication in terms of mapping on how the financial flows indicate the relationship between institutions as things currently stand, or as currently as things stood uh, in 2019 when we're uh, putting together the report. Um, and I think there was um, a question on decolonization, um, whether, you know, we do talk about that. There, there is a small mention, obviously, in the report where we, we, we mentioned the need to look at uh, deep research in decolonial, decolonial archaeology or paleontology. So it's just a small reference, but there's an acknowledgement that the the there is a need to, where there's an opportunity where we can, uh, bring a South African context or an African context in these particular fields that um, something can be done to that. And, and I think, generally speaking, um, one of the other things that are very effective in terms of decolonization is about making sure that there's inclus- inclusiveness in terms of participation in the innovation. And that is reflective on some programs that you see as grassroots innovation. And I think you do have several organizations. I think TIA does have something of the sort uh innovation hub as an example has something of the sort that is uh putting a lot of focus on grassroots innovation and these are small measures uh again they can be strengthened and more can be done in order to ensure that um, we get more impact uh to communities uh or to the society at large i, I think I'll, I'll stop at that uh, prof and, and maybe allow other colleagues to uh, to have a say thanks
5: uh, thanks very much, Chair. Um, I know that one of our colleagues um, is Chief Director now in the department. I'm not sure if you'd want to add anything at, at this point, uh, Sibusisa Manzini?
4: No, th- th- thank you, Chair. Um, maybe just to underline um, you know, some of the inputs that have been made uh, by, by colleagues, Uh, Firstly, let me just say that we we appreciate the questions and the the discussion, the thinking aloud, you know, from from you and the the, the rest of the members of the portfolio uh, committee. In relation to, um, you know, indigenous knowledge and technologies and the whole issue of decolonization and inclusivity, maybe you know, thinking about the role of, of basic education. At basic education level, and, and, and a few members touch on, on, on that, certainly the foundational skills um, um, at, at that level are set, um, you know, through the, the, the curricula but also in relation to this, this, this um, report, this is where the values, the important values that all our citizens need to to to, to have in order to thrive and develop in this country have to be incul- inculcated at that level. And so basic education is, is instrumental in the realization of the changes that we would like, we would like to see. We would like to see a more intense um, forecast of, of um, um, primary and secondary schools in, in relation to, to the building and the practice of, of values. And
0: when we talk about worldviews, such as Ubuntu, we are
4: actually um, embarking in a way on decolonization because these are timeless ways of living of living together, and it 's not just the you know the knowledge systems, but they are very specific um, applications and technologies which can find expression across the four areas, you know, uh, grand challenges that we, we will put forward. When we speak to issues of food security, for instance, there's a wealth of, of, of knowledge and systems and technologies that could be harnessed. When it comes to, to climate, uh, climate change, environmental sustainability, uh, you know, living together um, with other. Um, uh, uh, species, animal species, and plant species, there's a whole um, uh, wealth of of values, of knowledge systems, of technologies, of applications that could um, that could be harnessed uh, there. And as we do that, the decolonization finds ex- expression not 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 by way of just signaling signaling or rhetoric, but in real in real terms, in real ways that are rooted in the in the kind of 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 um, of, of questions that we ask. For instance, when you talk about inclusive innovation, when we, when we take on board the different sectors of our community, in research, we change not only the what you know the the agenda of, of research itself, but we change things like how should we approach um our research research enterprise we change as well the who who should be involved who are the partakers um, 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 who who are the people who should play a role in the backbone of, of, of bringing about solutions to the challenges uh, that we face. So inherently, all these processes, inclusive innovation, an emphasis on values, um, um, the you know, bringing on board indigenous knowledge uh, approaches, they expressively, uh, illustrate how decolonization um, uh, can work. So I just wanted to to, to touch on that. Uh, uh, Chair, thank you very much.
5: Uh, Ch- Chair, thanks very much. Um, I just want to to end off. Uh, apologies, a little footnote quickly on the dsi DSIDHE um, collaboration again, just to to, to highlight that. DSI is responsible for the tax incentives on the one hand and also for significant investment flows, for example, into research chairs and centers of excellence um, via the National Research Foundation. Um, DHET, on the other hand, as i explained a moment ago, chair members uh, has responsibility for the research development grant. Um, and it is in the working together of the two departments that these resource envelopes can be deployed far more effectively than they are um, at the moment, um, uh, as they are deployed within two deep silos uh, within the two departments. So here um, is an example then of how by working together, the two departments um, can um, uh, deal proactively and pragmatically with, with interinstitutional competition uh, for limited resources and can deploy resources far more strategically and pragmatically, as I outlined a moment ago. Uh, thank you very much, Chair, to you and members of the committee.
0: Thank you very much, Prof. Rendsburg.
2: Um, can I check if uh, DDG Patel, you would like to come in
0: still? <laughs> Um, okay, I think, could it be my network? But I'm not hearing DDG Patel.
3: Um, sorry, you
0: too, I, hi, can
2: you hear me now, Chair? Yes, we can.
3: All right, apologies. I wasn't too sure whether it was my network or I was just not uh, able to hear you. Just the three questions that I think were posed to the DSI. The first is the the... The hestl panel report is uh, one of several resource documents that we, com- we commissioned or compiled or requested NACI to do, uh, or, 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 or independent uh, review panels to do, you know, so we have the NACI foresight report, we have the hestl review. We, in fact, have previous reviews that were also done by other ministerial committees, and and in, in the way that the DSI works, these are, are continuously referred to um, and referenced uh, as we think through our strategy and when we're wanting to enhance our impact. So uh, several of the, the kind of recommendations in the HASTL review, for example, the three of the four levels of the um, governance framework. Are, in, are being implemented and taken forward, for example, the plenary, et cetera. The real challenge is gonna become in the design of those actual instruments and how do we structure and and, 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 and conduct them. Uh, the NFRI is something we would need to take forward over the longer term as an example. So there are several areas <clears throat> that, that has been raised by the HESTL review that I think we've adequately taken into account for the Decadal pl- uh, Plan. But there are a whole set of other issues that require a lot more consideration and, and impact from our perspective. But also, I think it requires reflection by other role players and stakeholders. Uh, some of the issues around values, which I found very, very useful in the in the Hestel review, I think it's beginning to come through. Uh, but it takes a long time to change a system where we can use the Haskell review and others to re-emphasize that as a science system, uh, we want to have some directionality without imposing on institutional autonomy, et cetera. I think there are ways of dealing with this here, but as a small system with multiple challenges, uh, we need to prioritize and steer the system towards areas that are of greatest impact. And I think that message is, is, is resonating very strongly with the detailed work that we're doing, for example, with Department of Agriculture, with DTIC, with the Environment, Fisheries and Forestry, that is coming about quite clearly, that, that we need to align a lot more closely together. So I think that's, that in terms of the actual next steps with the ASCO review, we are busy uh, reviewing this, and systematically working through all of the recommendations in order to advise the minister on which of the recommendations have already been taken forward in the Decadal Plan, which will require further engagement, further reflection, and which are the ones that we, we, for whatever reason, uh, don't think that we would be able to take forward at this point in time. Uh, But I think as a portfolio committee, these resource documents remain, and uh, I think it would uh, just make for a more vibrant system that if there are certain things that are not being taken forward as we are, are evolving, um, that that we are asked to account for 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 some of those changes. So that's the way in which we're wanting to move. But as you had highlighted, uh, chair, the decadal plan remains the kind of overarching plan, and, and because it's an overarching plan, it's uh, it it remains at a very high level. Uh, we will complement that high level plan by either developing new strategies of plan or by amending existing strategies and plans. For example, um, I've already started discussing, in fact, with Dr. Manzini and others, how is it that we take forward some of this new philosophy of the decadal plan and interface that into our science engagement strategy. So we have a science engagement strategy. We think that it can help us if we need to tweak that strategy, we would. So the, the decadal plan remains over plan. These different reports input into the decadal plan, but also inputs into what we call subsidiary plans, whether it's on 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 specific topics or areas, or or or, or if it's around, uh, say something like science engagement. <clears throat> so that's the first issue that I thought I would address. The second issue is around. Uh, I think the very important uh, <clears throat> area that was raised by at least four members, and that is, does the DSI have the capacity to to implement? Not necessarily the to review recommendations. The Decadal Plan, because we will take forward what we, we 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 want to integrate from the HESTL review, and and as part of that process, we have um, started a a process of reviewing uh, the DSI orga- organizational arrangements, and this is not only internally in terms of how we structured, and whether we have the right uh, units. So, for example, one of the things that has come up is is the uh, both in the decadal plan consultations with with uh, stakeholders but also with the hastal review is the need to to uh, get the state-owned entities back to that developmental role that they played before does that require dsi to have a unit that will be focused just on soes or not these are the kinds of discussions and debates we're having as part of the organizational re, reposition. However, the, the, the repositioning is, is, is constrained by the fact that uh, uh, there is no new money, uh, so we have to operate within the existing envelope. So we're going to have to, in fact, look at how we find it. Innovative ways of achieving this. For example, whether we create certain capacities in our state, in, in, in our entities, uh, to undertake some of the 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 the, the requirements and tasks uh, that that that, that uh, we need to be doing as the DSI. Uh, so we will use um, all means and disposal to try to 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 effect this, including uh, having engagements with some of our partner departments around some of the areas that would impact on the intention is to to uh, kind of finalize this organizational repositioning and I I think uh Didi is is left who's leading this project is to do it over the next couple of months so that we can start implementing some of the repositioning uh uh, from the next financial year including whether we create new units or we Uh, rename certain units, etc. We're doing quite a thorough analysis of what is required from us and how is it that we can do this within the constraints of our budget. And where we can't do it internally, how do we partner uh, uh, or create capabilities within our entities to take this uh, thing forward? And then the the final comment was uh, on on the DSI, DHET, and other uh, relationships. I think that that is continuing to proceed well. I think on an ongoing basis, uh, it kind of strengthens uh, uh, on, on a day-to-day basis. I think some of the proposal that the Prof. Rensberg raised about finalizing these instruments, we are looking at this, uh, for example, on, on other areas like uh, strengthening capabilities at historically disadvantaged institutions. The DSI is uh, working uh, within the context of the Sibusis Development programme to then see how best we interface some of our our interventions and initiatives, so that 's an ongoing journey that we would continue uh, whether we, we we are one department or two, I think that that remains the minister 's prerogative, and I think his, his uh, call for. Um, advice as well from Neki and others around that question. But for now, we're planning on the basis that we will still remain two separate departments. uh, And and therefore, uh, the emphasis needs to be on spending a lot more time uh, engaging and, 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 and uh, interacting with our colleagues at the HAT to find these um, um, mechanisms that we need to, to, to take forward, including the ones that were mentioned by the Hustle panel review. Um, so, uh, Chair, Honorable Chair, I hope I've been able to cover some of the remaining questions that were not. If there are others, we, we can always pick them up at future portfolio committee hearings. Thanks.
2: Thank you very much, um, DDG Patel. And thank you very much to Prof. Rensburg and the entire team um, who presented on the HES report this morning. Um, it really has been a a, a fruitful engagement. Um, again, I must reiterate the fact that uh, we are happy that I that 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 that. There are synergies around what we were concerned about or what we have been concerned about as a committee, as well as, you know, and what's and what's coming out from, from your report. So I think that there'll be a lot of work that we need to play in terms of oversight on, sorry, I just need to... Okay, there's there's a lot of there's a um, a lot of work that we will have to play in terms of oversight on how we um, find the synergies that we need to, or how we bring to life some of the recommendations that have been articulated in the in the report, and some of it also, I mean, would require for us to continue, for example, with the work that we are doing and having these joint committee meetings, portfolio committee meetings, with other committees um, whom we believe you know play their, their departments or their portfolios play a critical role um in terms of how we integrate science technology and innovation into the broader uh base of 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 government um, in order for us to address the various socioeconomic economic um needs uh, demands that we have as a government so so really colleagues we want to thank you for your inputs this this morning and um we We hope to have further conversations with yourselves. We might even ask to you know invite you um, to other meetings to assist us in in the type of i guess should I say lobbying that we want to do in having science, technology, and innovation um integrated into you know government at large. So, so really, thank you for the work that, that, that you have done. And um, you really, what we would want to see is the implementation of the recommendations of, in this report. Um, so having said that, I think we, we can release you, colleagues. Um, we have come to the end of this particular segment of our committee meeting. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank
3: Jay. you, sir. Bye-bye.
4: Thank you very much.
3: Thanks to them. Bye-bye.
10: Thank you, Chair. Goodbye.
2: Okay, colleagues, we are now moving on to the second segment of our meeting, which is um, looking into the adoption of the report on our inquiry on Professor Mbati. Perhaps let me allow for colleagues um, from the content slash research unit and colleagues from... Um, the legal unit to just give us a recap on our journey in relation to this report or in, in terms of this inquiry and leading us to this moment um, of the report before we, 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 we take any inputs from members and then we move into the adoption of the report.
0: Um, let me hand over to Memo Diba and then to Syspumum. Good morning, Chair and members. Um, honorable Nizir. <laughs> um, um, <you> need- <laughs> yeah, I think that should be fine.
12: Okay. Thank you, Chairperson. <laughs> thank you, honorable members. Sure. No before we start, what's wrong? What did Honourable Chair do?
2: He needed, she needed your help with the IT stuff.
0: <laughs>
12: oh, okay. Hey. Again, network is uh, playing with me, so it keeps cutting me off. I hate Honourable what have I done now?
2: <laughs>
13: no, she came
2: alright. She came alright.
13: I, I wanted your skills, Honourable Thank you, Honourable Chair, and Honourable Members. Uh, this is just to take you through a, a short journey of why we are where we are today, um, honourable members. Uh, in June 2020, uh, the committee uh, took a resolution to convene an oversight inquiry to inquire into the appointment of Prof. Bhatti as the Vice Chancellor of Pakumahato University and related matters. Um, this was because there was a complaint that was submitted to the office of the former uh, chairperson, um, Mr. Pulani, by the Higher Education Transformation Network. Uh, the complaint made several allegations regarding the recruitment process uh, at the university that led to the final appointment of Prof. Mbadi. Uh, subsequent to that as well, uh, we also received through the office of the, 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 chairperson, the then chairperson, uh, submissions from the former employees of the University of Venda, who also raised, um, um, several allegations, um, in, in, in their, uh, submissions to the committee. And, um, the committee developed the terms of reference for the inquiry and sought legal opinion from the parliament, uh, legal services, um, and in February, because in 2020, as the committee wanted to commence with the inquiry, there were some legal threats to interdict the process, which delayed the process in 2020, was the end of 2020. And then it was only in February 2020, 2021, sorry, that the committee commenced with the oral testimonies from witnesses who were identified. And And during the process of the inquiry, the committee uh, kept on requesting additional information given that um, some of the witnesses uh, in their oral testimony will refer to some information. Hence, the the process of uh, collating information from these um, witnesses was ongoing throughout the process of the inquiry. So post the oral testimonies um, and after the the preliminary report was developed. The committee convened a meeting on the 10th, December 2021 to consider the first draft, draft report. And at that meeting, the committee discussed, uh, discussed the report and the sentiments expressed were as follows, that the ANC members supported the report, however, submitted additional input which was read to the committee. Um, The EFF supported the report, the DA and the Freedom Front Plus noted that they needed more time to read and submit their inputs to the Secretariat. And um, the committee resolved at that meeting to allow the parties that requested time to go through the draft report and submit their input uh, within seven working days from the date of the meeting. Also, to postpone the adoption of the draft report due to the request to submit additional inputs and for the end, uh, sorry, for the need for the content and and research legal teams to consider and advise on the new submissions. Um, However, there were no new submissions that were received to post this process. And then after consideration of the submission by the ANC study group, which was made at the meeting of the 10th December by the content and legal team, the draft preliminary inquiry report was amended. Post this process, January 2022, uh, the committee received a new submission from whistleblowers levelling serious allegations that Prof Mbatti and certain officials of SMU who were members of the interview panel for the VC position. Uh, the recruitment process colluded to secure Prof Mbatti's appointment as the SMU VC. Um, The committee discussed this matter and also learned that the SMU Council was in the process at the time of investigating the allegations internally, and the committee resolved to await the outcomes of that process to take further action. An observation and recommendation was included in the report in response to the submissions. On 11 February 2022, the committee considered and adopted a preliminary inquiry report And as per the terms of reference, the committee resolved to send the report to all witnesses to make their representation. This was to allow the affected persons the opportunity to make representation on the preliminary findings and recommendations in line with all the Alteram Patern principles of natural justice. Um, The Secretariat sent the report to the witnesses on the 15th February, 2022. And they were requested to submit their written submission by seventeen March,
10: twenty
13: twenty two. We did receive um, the submissions. Uh, first, we received six, and two of the witnesses, SMU Council and the University of Venda Council, requested for extensions, which were provided for, and they subsequently um, submitted their representation. And then on the twenty May, twenty twenty two, the support team and legal team presented a summary of written representations to the committee which highlighted areas of discontent and consensus on the findings and recommendations from those witness statements. The team also presented general observations such as lack of access to evidence by other witnesses and recommendations and also areas where um, they raised issues with regard to the stronger language language that we used um, in terms of the findings relating to other parties while we were using a softer approach when it comes to others. The team was mandated by the committee to consider the representation and amended the draft report in light of the new evidence submitted and also areas of concern. Post the meeting of the 20th May, 2022, the team met um, twice, both a legal and support team. Uh, to further engage on on those issues that were raised and the evidence that was new evidence that was presented, and we amended the report where necessary in terms of the new submission um, as I indicated that we made an observation and also a recommendation in the preliminary draft report uh, we subsequently also received a communication indicating the outcomes of the investigation uh, by SMU Council with regard to the the new submissions. Um, In light of that, this is a new recommendation to the report that we hope the committee will uh, consider and adopt. We are recommending that the committee noted continued submissions by the whistleblowers leveling serious allegations against Prof and certain officials of the SMU pertaining to the alleged irregular involvement in the appointment process of Prof Mbatt as the VC of SMU. The committee knows that the SMU Council has instituted an investigation into the allegation and noting the receipt of correspondence regarding the findings following the investigation. Uh, 5.4.3.2, oh, we propose that to add to this, that notwithstanding the above, the committee recommends that an independent investigation be conducted into the allegations the committee is deeply concerned about allegations of fraud by the purported deponents to the affidavit. In light of the contradictory information received and in the shroud of uncertainty surrounding this particular aspect, the committee is uncertain as to whether there is any merit in the allegations referred to above or there are misrepresentations. The committee therefore requests that a charge of fraud be brought by SMU against those who falsified the withdrawal statements where it must be reported that fraud was committed so that the South African police services can interrogate the veracity of the charges and all parties involved in order to investigate the matter fully and report to the committee as to the findings. SMU must report to the committee and give the case numbers immediately once the matters are reported to the subs. I hear by submission. Thank you. I'm Thank not you. sure if my colleagues. Uh, have something to add to this.
0: Thank you very much, uh, Memudiba. Mrs Pumi, anything from you. your
8: side? Thank you so much, cheperson I think under the circumstances and in light of a very brief and excellent uh, summary that my colleague has given, I'll be really wasting the committee's time unless there are questions to filter chairperson, that is what we will take. Thank you.
2: Okay, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Memu Diba and Sis Pumelele for, those, um, uh, for that um, refresher on where we've come in terms of this report and where we find ourselves currently. Can I please see members who, seek, who would seek to engage the report, and in the meantime, can um, can Anele please check if we do meet quorum
0: on the platform? Honorable Poshov,
11: honorable chair, thank you very much um, for uh, for the presentation and uh, everything that goes with it. beginning I thought maybe I was missing something, isn't there maybe some internal clash within the ANC which I don't understand and don't even perceive and anything that's going on here and then one, uh, you, you know, make judgments on uh, face value and afterwards you you feel like a little bit of a fool. But I think that we've gone through a whole long process with this. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, I would give my support to this report and uh, with thanks to all the people who worked very hard on it. And I think it was a very lengthy process in which the previous uh, Chair uh, invested a lot of emotional energy, if I may uh, say so, uh, and, and which, with which we, you proceeded. And uh, I would um, remind with just saying that. Thank you, Chair.
0: Thank you very much, Honorable Boshov. Um,
12: Honorable Itziye? <laughs> no, thank you very much, Chair. <clears throat> Um, um, analysis, we do have quorum, um, maybe I must start there, but secondly, maybe clarify Honorable Boshov that um, there's no internal squabbles um, within the, the ruling party, we, we don't have those things, it's media and people who. Believe those things exist. We we don't have, honestly speaking. <clears throat> um, Chair, maybe let me welcome the report um, and say just um, we're having this one because uh, when we were about to adopt the report earlier this year, we did receive a whistleblower's. Uh, indication, uh, alleging that uh, the the information they were providing to us uh, was relevant um, to what we're about to conclude on. And that is why the process then took longer. Um, obviously, as... The legal team and um, our research and content team would have presented that um, <clears throat> uh, there were principles of law which we ought to have uh, applied. Uh, the principle of audi as one, um, and therefore we could not conclude when new information had just come uh, come in. Um, <clears throat> Subsequent to that Sheperson. Uh, and this is what uh was talking about.
0: Uh, we had um uh, the University of Svakomahato uh, who uh, said to us that
12: um, they've investigated the matter and um, um the alleged Avidavids that were submitted to us by um a whistleblower were sought were 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 were, were fraught uh, as uh, the people who were mentioned uh disposed Avidavid to cancel and university uh, saying that uh, it was not their the Davids that were disposed of by <clears throat> by the whistleblowers. Um, chair, uh, we were then left with no choice but to take that as a um, as fact. And I'm happy that um, we are now we have now uh, we are now resolving. And I want to support that resolve on the on the report that we then ask those who were mentioned uh, by the whistleblower uh, who disposed of uh, avidavits, saying that uh, they were falsified, because that is fraud. They must then go and open cases of fraud with SAPs and they must... uh, provide us with uh, case numbers. I think, Chair, I want to labor a bit on this point. Uh, Apologies to members who are in a hurry, but I want to labor a bit on this point that fraud is a very serious uh, uh, crime in this country. And you can't just keep quiet when somebody has opened an account in your name using your, probably they stole your, those who still use green IDs, they stole your green ID and put in a, a face there and they've opened uh, accounts at Edgars and Ackermans and all of those things. Uh, it can't be that we 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 keep quiet and we say, no, it was fraud, it's fine. People must open cases of this. The second part is that uh, we, we we want subs to investigate this thing because like I said previously and I'm I'm on record chair having said this that any allegation made like, made against anybody and is left hanging leaves a dark cloud over that particular person. And if indeed this if indeed uh, if this was fraud it had a potential of ending careers of people and it just cannot be left unattended we must come to a point where <clears throat> we come down on people who make False uh, accusations against people, uh, and we must come down very hard, chair, because it's people's lives we're talking about here. So when somebody makes an allegation against the book saying, "Oh, that one, eh, that one, that one is a thief," they might be saying it, maybe joking, whatever. I don't know, but somebody listening somewhere tomorrow or next year or in 2030 will look at me and remember that this one is a thief. So it's very important that uh, these cases, we follow them up after they they are opened so that we get to the bottom of who would have, if indeed uh, uh, um, the... Um, the whistleblower would have sent us false things. Why would they want her to do that? Why at the time they did? What is it that they wanted to achieve? And uh, how many lives would have uh, been ruined in the process? Uh, but if indeed uh, the whistleblower was correct and uh, the newly disposed avidavids are not correct. We want SAPs to investigate and get to to that determination uh, so that we don't get a situation where our people can do as they please in our system. So I think uh, the recommendation we're making here is extremely important uh, in enforcing ethical leadership in our institutions and our entities uh, but also in enforcing uh, the truth. We want uh, the principles of fairness, want the truth uh, to come out so that uh, some of these things don't happen again, if indeed they happened. Um, Chair, so that's why I wanted to labor much on, on, on this point. <clears throat> uh, secondly, Chair, I want to thank uh, all honorable members who participated in uh, in this long process. It was a it was a very long process. It started in 2020. It was a long process. Uh, I remember in July 2020 there were court cases. It is now in October, tomorrow is October of 2022. So it has been a a two-year, months four months process, a very long process that would have um, impacted on uh, our program as a parliament, would have impacted on the department uh, doing other jobs because we had to bring them in, Uh, the minister, you know, or the political leadership, uh, the DGs, administrative leadership and the entire department, uh, they would have had to stop other things, save his delivery elsewhere to come and concentrate on this one. And I want to thank them, uh, Chaperson uh, honestly from the bottom of our hearts. I think, Cheperson, this uh, process uh, has helped the sector understand certain things. Uh, especially in terms of uh, the university statutes uh, elsewhere. uh, You would know that uh, uh, this process itself has helped um, uh, some universities to understand uh, the gaps in their university statutes and we are grateful that uh, other universities can then learn. This process would have found that uh, Um, there may have been people in the sector being hired um, in the universities and all of that uh, without uh, possessing certain qualifications and we are extremely grateful to this process for uncovering those. Uh, This process, Chairperson, has has helped the sector. At least myself, I know it has helped me to understand a little bit of uh, of law because uh, I have not uh, studied law as yet, but, you know, I've only studied basic one. But I think it has helped me to understand uh, certain things. And that is why I want to, from the bottom of my heart, thank the Parliament's legal team for doing everything they've done for us, uh, taking us through the legal uh, issues, uh, uh, where we wanted to be aggressive, uh, guiding us that our uh, woman bill don't don't uh, that one is uh doesn't make sense. I mean, uh Honorable Ananiso likes talking about it. Process processable, I put it to you, you know. Uh, so it was a a, a process uh, really that assisted us. I want to thank our content and research team in parliament uh, for doing a sterling work. I think chair. It will be a travesty of justice uh, if really we don't thank them. These uh, colleagues of ours, which sometimes I make a mistake and call them comrades, but these colleagues of ours uh, have done a tremendous job. They've produced a almost 100-page report uh, of quality content of what was discussed, guided us on, you know, sometimes when we wanted to ask certain questions. They said, uh, uh, terms of reference. So they've guided us. And I want to thank them from the bottom of, but I want also to thank members of uh, this committee for participating in, 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 in this process. This process was not a witch hand, uh, honorable Boshov. It was a process to try and help the sector. Uh, other universities, I think they will look at this report and recommendations and go and strengthen their university statutes, especially on, if you look at, for an example, the University of Pretoria, which we had here about two, three weeks ago. If you look at uh, uh, their statute on um, disciplinary actions, they've also saw that uh, maybe their, their disciplinary action statute has got some gaps uh, so they will look at the, the recommendations that we're making here, yeah, and they will de- they will then improve them so that moving forward they, our sector becomes safe for everybody—the students, the workers, uh, the senior management—but also becomes uh, safe for council members. Uh, our 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 system, you know, becomes a better system where uh or, or it moves away from this thing of abuse by this one or that one uh against um those one who may not have or may not be holding uh, a certain position i think Chaperson um i i i've everybody now uh, and i've made my point uh i just want to thank you i i think the recommendations we've made are sound uh we did not agree at all times on the posture sometimes wanted to take, uh, on the recommendations wanted to make. Uh, but I think uh, what the product we have now is a, really a true reflection uh, that has taken into cognition the principles of, uh, of law, uh, fairness, uh, Audi, uh, you know, the principles. Uh, of listening to everybody and all of that. So I I am extremely happy uh, with the recommendations we are making uh, to to uh, in this report and I hope that uh, uh, the recommendations will also be accepted by those who are mentioned in the report as fair uh, and just um uh, because the, the the integrity of this process, we had to guard it ourselves. We, yes, we did not agree sometimes with the witnesses. They may not have agreed sometimes with the questions we asked. They may not have agreed with how we asked them. But I think wherever they are at this present moment, when they get the final report that we'll be sending to them, they will also look at it objectively and say, "Shame." Uh, we may have had a different view of uh, that committee, but they've done justice. They've been fair to everybody, uh, and they've done well. So I'm just uh, a chairperson. I know I would have spoken long, but I thought it's not possible that uh, <clears throat> when we are closing this report, uh, we don't say these things. I mean, uh, you know, you know, some of us, uh, uh, honourable Boshoff, would also. We're also those who were irritated by some of the answers uh, by some of our colleagues uh, 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 who, uh, who came before us as, um, as, um, as uh, what do you call them, as witnesses. But I hope at the end of the day, they will agree that shame, Zambe. Thank you very much, Chairperson. And I move that after everything has been said and done, we consider adopting this report. So I move, thank you, Chairperson.
2: Thank you very much, Honourable Lidia, for those critical reflections. Um, Honourable
7: Masladi. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, Slalo, let me not take too long, but to support the insertion in as far as the matter that has been referred to in the report, as well as the input by Honourable Lidia, in as far as investigation on the police the bite, um, Every day, if matter, I think he, you know, was quite particular in terms of indicating the importance of that particular insertion, and why is it important that um, the processes of parliament must not be taken for granted, and we ought to make sure that everything else was is done above board, and we don't leave any stone content. But I think it is also important. to to really give gratitude to the legal team and the content advisors and the the entire uh, committee um, staff for the job well done. Um, Of course, one might have joined this particular portfolio committee quite late when the report was already, the preliminary report was already drafted. But one must indicate that um, the process undertaken by this particular portfolio committee, which we are members of, is one of its kind. Uh, one is informed that we are the very first committee to really undergo this particular process besides having an ad hoc committee. therefore, we have set a tone as a portfolio committee to the to parliament itself but also to the institutions that were involved in the process, but also which is quite important, the outcome of this process has also made some dent in the entire sector, inclusive of the legislation itself. Because part of the discussion during the deliberations on the report was around the fiduciary duties of councils, which there was a general consensus amongst uh, members of the portfolio committee that we ought to look at uh, the Higher Education Act to make sure that you know members of councils do not become the reference players and are unable to be held accountable on their actions based on the current legislation, given that they are not um, the fiduciary duties are not applicable to them. So it it has been a quite a, a lengthy process. But I think it was also important to make mention of the former chair Honorable Makulani in the process that when this process started, he was part of the committee and he led um, from the front as a chair of the committee. And as you came in as a chair, you did not leave, you know, uh, let your cut down but you actually forced ahead with the work that was started at that particular point. But over and above, we really need to give gratitude to, to the entire committee as well as the research and, and legal services. And for the mere fact that legal services is able to produce such a, a, you know, a quality report that can stand any legal scrutiny. And we can safely say we've done our work and hopefully... Uh, Parliament itself will be able to take cognizance of the work that has been done and also be able to, to 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 take it further to other committees and the entire institution, making sure that inquiries are quite necessary, are quite important. They also enhance on the oversight work that we do as members of Parliament. With those viewers, thank you very much, Chair. And I really second the adoption of the report. or. Oh, I said it, the adoption of the report, given that Honourable T has already disappointed. Thank you very much, Chair.
0: Thank you very much, Honourable WIP. Honourable Mananiso, apologies. I was supposed to
2: let you come in before the WIP. You had requested on the side, and I forgot. Sincerest apologies. Honourable Mananiso.
8: Okay, uh, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, Let me start by actually... Uh, appreciating the work that has been done by the legal team of parliament and as well our supporting staff and the committee itself for actually uh, consistently, you know, uh, executing their work. And uh, Chair, one must say that I'm very satisfied about the quality of the report, as uh, Honorable Maslati could have said, and Honorable Litsi, and I believe that as members of parliament, we have actually demonstrated that Molato and government, it's eh uh, I mean, this thing has, some of the issues happened before some of us were members of parliament, but we were able to go ahead in terms of coping. What is it that is happening? And I'm happy that uh, one could could say that we have learned in this particular process that there's a lot of work that needs to be done by DHE itself in terms of enforcing these policies in our institutions, so that everybody must do what they have to do in terms of governance, leadership, and management. And uh, Chairperson, without wasting time, I think the report has been adopted, and I hope that as it goes to the NA, all the recommendation done by the PC will be adhered to by the institution and our specific time frame of six months uh, will be adhered to. And I believe that those who could have, uh, you know, just came to us uh, for the fact of wanting to deal with other people uh, by forwarding wrong information, there should be a recourse. And I'm happy that this particular report, actually, it doesn't satisfy uh, other weaknesses that came before us. And it really shows that in the process, all of us as the pc we applied the you know fairness approach and we are not biased to everybody and one would want to say that uh, team we must continue actually probing such matters in all these institutions as uh, one has alluded that uh, issues of this magnitude they they are small but they would create bigger problems for our institutions so uh, i'm happy chairperson to that today at least uh, we, are, we have adopted this particular report, and uh, things must must be done as supposed to in, in our institutions. And we have learnt that as well that Chapter Nine institutions. Uh, uh, interventions in these particular institutions it is important and we hope that most of the people most of the institutions could have learned in terms of what is it that they can get as assistance or intervention from our chapter 9 institution in dealing with other issues that they feel that they need mediation or, or intervention on so I thank you as the team that you have actually excellently uh, done the work that we were supposed to do the constitution as mandated as members of parliament, thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Honourable Mananiso.
2: Absolutely important that um, we follow up on the recommendations, and you know everyone um, abides to what the recommendations articulate. The timeframes that have been set there. Um absolutely important. And I uh, see Honourable Sibia on the on the chat has also. Really thanked colleagues and members for their work and contributions towards this process um, uh, and, and appreciating the recommendations and guidance that was given to us through the um, through the through the support of the legal team and of the research unit so really colleagues, thank you so much to to all of you i, I don 't want to and Fungui Mosha, I mean from Honorable Lidia, really emphasizing um, you know, the the thought process that has gone into some of these recommendations. Um and and really emphasizing the, the the newest ad- amendment to the recommendations in relation to I think someone's mic is still open. Can we mute Honorable Malanisa's device, please? Okay. So, um, yeah, so from Honorable Litier, you know, really reiterating on, on the importance of the newest, uh, addition to the, um, the recommendations, um, and the, the involvement of, 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 you know, the SA, um, the South African police services, um, because, you know, to fabricate any information or any document and say someone Saying nonpendulo uh, signed this when it 's Tehuho, who signed it you know that is really a a a grave crime that we cannot let um, leave lightly so um the emphasis the the emphasis coming through from the the work as well around um, uh, the work that has been done you know collectively and the the importance of highlighting uh, such cases within within the sector, and really colleagues, all of us, uh, honor, including Honorable Borshoff, emphasizing the importance of the work we are doing in trying to identify the gaps and the shortfalls within the sector, um, within institutions, and how we then strengthen it. And I mean, I think already when we look at our interactions that we've been having with the CGE, there they, they they already are strides that we are making in trying to remedy uh, some of the uh, challenges and shortcomings of, of of policies within our institutions um, with, from a departmental level um, as well. So, um, you know, and also, whatever we, we may have been lifted through this particular inquiry that looks that looks specifically at SMU and UNIVEN are matters that don't only even uh, pertain to the university program, but even the TBEC program. And so I think, really, colleagues, the work that we've done here is important. And, um, uh, you know, we really must appreciate the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, on um saying he would not sign uh, something on my behalf um without my permission or fabricate that particular information uh, noted Honourable litier but um his colleagues um it would be very important for us to monitor the implementation that has come through from the recommendations of this inquiry and really want to thank all of you for your support, particularly colleagues from legal. Um, I think, I don't know in how many Manco meetings, where one said, I have absolutely no um, history in uh, the legal fraternity And you know, colleagues really playing a really uh, supportive role in that regard. Of course, I I also do think, from a legal perspective, and um, from the research, you know, to the content team, there are reflections that may not necessarily be added to this inquiry, but that we do have to make in terms of how in supportive the the system or ecosystem of Parliament is for work of this nature. Um, Yes, we had a lot of support from from legal um but but there's there there is possibly additional support that we could have received particularly for our colleagues who um are within the content uh uh, um unit of the committee and so those reflections i think um Diba would be important for us to make and submit um to 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 you know the, the parliamentary secretary as ways of strengthening the oversight role of, of committees. Um, so I, at this point, think it would be befitting for me to note hands that would want to adopt the report as is and a hand that would want to
0: second the adoption of the report. Honorable You're asking... Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought uh,
12: there were two hands before me. You're asking for me? Uh,
2: no, I'm asking, you know, those hands are legacy hands. So I was asking about the adoption of the
12: uh, um, report. No, 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 Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Tebo Good afternoon to everybody. Uh, uh, me moving for the adoption of a uh, uh, this good report i also want to announce chairperson that uh, w- when you land later on to your home in johannesburg you'll feel fresh uh, because uh, and that is why you see honorable king is not here on the platform He's Mongols- she's mongosing because we have just removed uh, that incompetent mayor of the da in johannesburg Uh, She's out. You'll get there and get fresh air. I move for the adoption of this report as it is. We're extremely happy today, Chair. We don't even want to discuss. I'm sure even Honourable Boshoff will just uh, second. I think let's allow him to second, Chair. It's a a, a good day in Johannesburg. Mm.
0: <laughs>
2: no pressure on Honorable Borshoff, but uh, the um, adoption of the report by Honorable Borshoff is duly noted, uh, as well as the announcement on uh, the state of affairs in Johannesburg, where I do reside, also duly noted. Um, all right, can I see a hand that seeks to second the adoption of the report? Honorable, Honorable Borshoff, your mic is open.
11: Thank you. Yes, my hand is also up. Uh, on my side it is, um, I, I would second, uh, I am Vainant Boshoff representing the FF F- F- Plus and I'm uh, seconding the adoption of this report and I just want to note that I do not reside in Johannesburg and I uh, have less interest on who is the mayor over there. Thank you.
2: Noted, um, Honourable Boshoff, the uh, seconding of the adoption of the reports by honorable boshoff is truly noted as well as the fact that um, he doesn't care on about who leads me in johannesburg that is also uh, truly noted thank you so much honorable boshoff and honorable manani so i think also honorable boshoff really um, you know your your seconding of the report um Really indicates that whatever uh, fears or anxieties that you had on, on on the motive of this of this inquiry have been alleviated, and you truly see um, the process to have been one that will contribute to strengthening the system and ensuring that um, you know um, we are able to deal and eradicate gender based violence. In um, femicide, sexual harassment within our institutions, we are able to process such matters um, efficiently effectively uh, as they should be processed that any that appointment processes within our institutions unfold and manifest in a free and fair manner um, that 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 will bring um, um, what is the word i am looking for there's a word i 'm looking for it 's a friday but um, so let's use But let's use in the process to say that indeed um, due process was followed and uh, uh, um, ethical. There we go. Um, that, that that all ethics, no ethics were compromised in the process of the appointment of senior management and leadership of our institution. So your your adoption or your seconding of the adoption of the report. Honorable Borshoff really does, uh, uh, um, com, you know, support the fact that um, this this inquiry had a much greater role to play within the sector at large. Honorable members, we are that 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 brings us to then the end of um, the uh, the consideration of that report. That report has been adopted by the committee and will be tabled before the house for consideration. Um, we are supposed to go through minutes. Um, I think we have one set of minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Anele?
3: Um, good afternoon, Chair. It's
4: actually two sets. It's the 14th and 21st of September.
0: Okay. Can we have a
2: two-minute break? Because I can't, I can't see those minutes. Do we have to take them now and like we take them on the first week
4: Um
0: che um it will be appreciated if we adopt them
12: but it's up to the committee <laughs> Thank Okay you no done. that's fine uh honorable well, member my... there are no chairperson no there are no I'm sorry to enter us like this but there are no uh Issues want to fix on the minutes. Let's just accept. We're very happy today. Please, let's accept. Okay. So <laughs> with Anel. Let's talk okay. Uh, all right.
2: So, Anela, you're saying that there are minutes from the 14th and
4: yes, chair. Um, it's the 14th and the and the 21
3: of September.
2: Okay. So, honourable members, on the 14th of September. So we'll adopt the ones of the twenty eighth next term on uh, the first week of next term. All right. So honorable members, um, the minutes from the fourteenth of September, we would have engaged with the University of Pretoria. These minutes we had attempted to adopt um, the the last time we we met. However, we felt that they needed to go back for refinement so that we all believe they are a true reflection of our engagements. And um, I hope that honourable members were able to make those submissions to to the Secretariat and ensure that um, the the minutes, excuse me, are a true reflection of the members' observations and and what they believe to have been the recommendations coming out of that meeting with the University of Pretoria. Um, And then we have... The minutes from the 21st
0: of um sorry i'm struggling to
2: find that set okay got it and then we we have the minutes from the 21st of september where we had a meeting with um the departments, led by a delegation led by the deputy minister, that morning. In um, essentially, we 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 were not happy with the fact that uh, there are certain reports that were not ready, certain uh, certain re- reports that were not sent to us, and we concluded on the fact that there would be, you know, timeframes as to when certain reports should be sent to us and when um, could. The department and the ministry would have to return to present these reports to us. So, so that was that meeting colleagues um, on the NSF and on the student funding uh, MTT report. So those are the minutes and uh, I hope they are to members a true reflection of the meeting. I would at this point then want to note hands that seek to make amendments to the minutes uh, okay, I see two hands are up. There's Honorable Mananiso's hand that's up, which I believe is a legacy hand. And then I see Honorable hand is up as well. But um let me check if 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 uh, let me take both hands. Honorable Mananiso.
0: Okay. Honourable Lidia. Okay, I'm not sure now. Is it my network?
7: Okay, Honorable Maslati. Thank you very much. Uh, no, we can hear you properly. Um, at most probably colleagues have connectivity issues, but I move for adoption of both sets of minutes. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much, Honorable Mananiso. Can I see a
0: member that uh, can second the minutes? Honourable Sibia. Thanks, Chairperson. I'm
2: seconding the adoption of the minutes. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Honourable Members. Those minutes from the 14th and the 21st have been adopted by Honourable Matlatzi and seconded by Honourable Sibia. Thank you so much, Members. That brings us to the end of our meeting. Um, There is an announcement that will go out uh, hopefully by... Um, latest two o'clock today regarding our follow up meeting with NASFIS, but, um, a tentative date has been set for next week, Tuesday, so that some of the cases that we want feedback on, honorable members, are cases from our constituencies. And ultimately, we would want, um, you know, those responses to, to, to be sent to us. During constituency periods, so that we are able to go back to our constituencies and and account on 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 their on their appeals on the inquiries or, you know whatever the outstanding matters are and so also noting that um, that would have opened its applications last week, it would be very important for us to be brought into confidence on their systems and how their systems are able to ensure that we have a much smoother Uh, process of application approvals um, and and so forth so um, the tenders of date for for our follow-up visit is next week Tuesday in Cape Town and um, you know but more more communication will be sent I think a few members have been uh, communicated to I think Honourable Boshoff, Honourable King, uh, Honourable Maslati um, so who are essentially leaders of of their different uh, uh, uh parties in the committee. Um and then yeah, so so honourable members, please do do uh look out for communication around two o'clock today in relation to that so that you know our conversations that we had last week don't become stale and we're able to, to, to follow up uh, succinctly and swiftly on those matters. Thank you so much, honorable members. Um, this now brings us to the end of our meeting. I wish you all a, a fruitful uh, two-week constituency period. Uh, let's go and make impact in, in our constituencies. Thank you so much. See um, Long live the chair. Bye. Bye.
0: Recording stopped. uh, It's one week, sir. Is it one week? Why did I think it was two weeks?
8: No, one week.
0: Oh, what's
2: your send in one week? Hey, so we are on the tenth. Yes, sir. Okay, thanks, Anele. Why did I think it
0: was two weeks? Thank you.